Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Okay. Here's to you. Mrs. Wolfinson. It looks like a wolf scene behind you, Justin. Justin is in Vermont right now, and his background is a big window, and it truly looks like it could be out of the movie Wolf. Yeah, it's we so watched beautiful. the sunset mm-hmm. behind him, and now it's kind of at that twilight blue hour. When the wolves really nice. would come out. Silhouette of, like, <laughs> forest behind him. <laughs> An owl's here all of a sudden. <laughs> I'll be back, baby. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mike Nichols wanted a movie that earned something exciting like Batman Returns. Jack Nicholson with big yellow eyes. He saw him hopping round in khaki Levi's. A middle-aged monster flick set inside the corporate business world. He gets bit by a dog, then he fights for his job. You know today we're talking wolf. Michelle Pfeiffer's punk, James Bader's a hunk. Jack Nicholson pisses on his shoes. It's all kind of odd, but today on the pod, you know we are talking wolves. Sometimes one doesn't even need to be bitten. Only the passion of the wolf is enough. You're crazy? Marking my territory. You got in the way. It's a 90s update of beloved classic werewolf myths. The critics were mixed, but it sold decent ticks. You know that we are talking wolf. Rick Baker's effects are hardly his best, but they've got a quirky charm for sure. It's got a bad rap, but I think it still slaps. You know today we're talking wolf. Oh, oh, oh. 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 
That was a bop. Welcome, everybody, to the Cinema Possessed Podcast. My name is Jack Bishop. And I'm Justin Nisham. And with us, as always, is the Richard Jenkins of this pod. <laughs> I fucking knew it. Corey Clifford. <laughs> I thought in my head, I was like, I know I ain't going to get Michelle Pfeiffer. It's going to be somebody random as hey, hell. Richard Jenkins has always added value to everything he does. Yeah, he's brilliant, honestly. He's mm. so funny. No matter movie, how small the part. It. Go fuck yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm specifically referring to this movie. Uh-huh. He has a very, very small part uh-huh. of it, but very memorable and good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a high I really compliment. Think Jack sold it, Corey. You know, thanks. What? It's a high compliment. Anyone would take Richard Jenkins. Uh, and each week, we take a close look at one film in our combined DVD and Blu-ray collections, and discuss what it was about it that originally possessed us. To want to possess it. We'll debate whether or not the film still holds that power over us today, and in the end, we'll decide once and for all if it deserves to keep its place on the movie shelf or be turned into an animatronic wolf with a really sweet face. It is so <laughs> sweet looking. You like that animatronic wolf in there? I do. That, f- I that do. final shot is sweet. He looked like a dog that I had as a kid named Mickey. Mm. Mickey was the scaredest dog uh, ever. Scaredest? Scared of everything. Mm. If a napkin fell off the table, he would go flying. In fact, I thought of it later, but the very first time I watched Jackie Brown, you know how the movie opens with the Bobby Womack song and he goes, Uh well, when that howl happened, my my dog shot up off the floor and like bolted out of the room. That's really sad. I know, that is sad. (laughs) But something that's going to make you laugh, Justin, Henry... Um, our dog farted so loud last night that he woke himself up and scared himself. Mm-hmm. And then sniffed his butt. Oh, right after. God. Disgusting. <laughs> it was loud. I could, I mean, like anytime a dog is audibly farting, it's loud for a uh-huh. dog. Most dogs are SBDs. Because they don't have the butt cheeks to like really reverberate. Mm-hmm. I wonder like like how how did it surprise him? You know, like he, he can't feel it. Bubbling. Yeah, I think That's he's what asleep, I thought. asleep uh-huh. and then farting that wakes you up. I don't think mm. he associates the feeling. <laughs> but why does of it only happen to dogs? Like if you fart in the middle of the night, you're just like, oh, that's Some felt- people I feel like you've heard things about that though, like people waking themselves up being scared by fart. Yeah. I feel like I've heard a grandma or grandpa do that in a time or two. I wake up screaming often. Mm. So Please does Jack talk about in that. reality. <laughs> Jack oh, yes. recently just did that. What is it, to, can, Corey? Can you like emulate what it sounds like? Yeah. So I'm laying in bed looking <laughs> at my phone because, and Jack's sleeping like a baby. I'm, you know, jealous. That's life. So I'm just sitting there scrolling on my phone. All of a sudden I hear Jack going, <laughs> and I was like, Jack, it's, if I would have been asleep, that type of stuff scares me when I'm asleep and I hear him doing that. But like, I was so clear to be like, what is he doing? And then it starts, I'm going to freak the dogs out if I start doing it, but like start screaming like, <laughs> like to the point where I start getting scared of like, is this his like death rattle? I don't know. <laughs> and then he shoots his arm above his head and he's like pointing. And it's like, <laughs> like literally like that. And I'm fully like violently shaking him i'm like jack 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 wake up and i was like what what did and he like kind of wakes up and i was like what did you think you saw and he goes 
Wires. Wires. <laughs> went back to sleep. <laughs> yes. Have you ever dreamed of anything scarier than wires? <laughs> terrifying. God. That's all he said, and then he fell back asleep immediately. Uh, well, speaking of dreams, I'd say the movie that we're talking about today is a little dreamlike. Yeah, I thought that one of the sequences was a dream scene, but it wasn't. We're also in week two of the October spooky season. All month long, we're doing horror Ooh. movies. Uh, and is this one very scary? We'll see. Justin, let the people know what movie we're talking about today. Today we're talking about one of the spookiest wolf movies of all time, <laughs> Wolf, 1994. Within every man, there are two men. One who learns to be civilized by day. One who longs to be savage by night. If any man could be both at once, he'd have to be daring. He'd have to be dangerous. He'd have to be Jack. You've been sleeping all day. How do you feel? Jack Nicholson. Never thought I'd meet a good man who looked at me the way you do. Michelle Pfeiffer. I don't know I'm a good man. Wolf. Rated R. At theaters June 17th. Okay, in the movie, his name's not Jack, right? No, it's they're the, just yeah. They're to, commenting on Jack. So Nicholson. the trailer for this movie is just yeah. <laughs> is only is not really about the movie. It's just like Jack oh, Nicholson's yeah. in it. So that that's actually the teaser trailer. So we've mm -hmm. talked about this. There's difference between teaser trailers and there's real trailers. I love this teaser trailer. I encourage people to go look it up because they don't really do this much anymore. But this trailer only uses footage that they shot for the teaser. Ugh. There's like a slow zoom in on a full moon. It gets to where the full moon is filling up almost the entire frame, and then suddenly eyelids blink down uh. and the full moon becomes a pupil of an eyeball. And then it slowly zooms out and reveals Jack Nicholson in his werewolf makeup. That's cool. So they probably shot this when they were doing makeup tests. And then it like cross dissolves to a shot of him standing over Michelle Pfeiffer sleeping angelically in a bed. None of this stuff is in the movie, but it's all shot for this little teaser trailer. And it looks fucking great. I prefer it. And I wish they did it more often. They they used to do it all the time in the nineties. I like it. It's fun. Yeah, it is a little weird that they're that they're saying <laughs> Jack. Yeah. Yeah. Not even Jack Nicholson. Mm -hmm. That's how big of a star he must have been at this. You have to be Jack. Yeah, I love it. Uh, I guess there was no other Jack at the time. Love he was the Jack, Jack. Nicholson. Mm -hmm. He's so. I just love him. No, there's like, is there anybody out like? Even since Jack Nicholson, that has that like charisma, like kind of bad guy, but you love him and like, yeah, I'm he's not... like kind of a little bit sleazy, but in a way that you're like, mm -hmm. oh, I want to be his friend. I like Same him. with Spader. I feel like there's no substitute for Spader. There is yeah. no substitute. There's for Spader. no substitute wow. for Spader yeah. at all. Spader never quite hit that movie star level. Yeah, Jack, of Jack Nicholson's Nicholson, a movie star like no other. But but damn, is he added value to any movie that that he's in? Two actors we've talked about on the pod. It's true. Look at this crossover. Yeah. This is a return of Jack. This is a return of Spader. I want to say Jenkins was in a previous movie, but I can't think of what it is. Do you think it's also, it's, ever a, it's a return a... of Michelle Pfeiffer? We talked Scarface, second oh, yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think they'll ever have a movie teaser where they? They reference in the teaser that you have to be Jenkins. 
You have to be Jenkins. There's only one Jenkins. Jenkins. He deserves it. He deserves it. Yeah, he's awesome. He's a great character. He's so So good. So funny. Such a good character. He's really funny in this movie. What you just said kind of reminds me, I think I want to say it was the MTV Movie Awards. Maybe it was the Oscars or the Golden Globes, but you're I, about to say something about Richard Jenkins with the MTV Movie Awards. They did. They, they were like, "We now our next award we're presenting as a lifetime achievement award," and they what? did this like montage, and it it was like one man that can like hold the screen like any other, Clint, and then it would say another thing like that, and it would go Clint, and then the final big reveal is that it was Clint Howard. Oh, Ron my Howard's God. brother. <laughs> It was, cannot be the MTV Movie Awards. I think it may have been the no MTV Movie way. Awards. No way. Clint Howard on the MTV Movie Awards? There's just no way. That's funny. In my mind, it was the MTV Movie what Awards. What has he even done that would be an MTV movie? Well, at that point in time, he had maybe done like the Ice Cream Man or something. The Ice Cream Man? <laughs> what the fuck are you even talking about? No. It's a horror movie. You never saw the box? He's got. No. He's holding an ice cream cone with and like the MTV a bloody Movie Awards are giving it. a Lifetime Achievement Award to Clint Howard for the Ice Cream Man. Okay. Okay, if it turns out that I'm right, that they give them the, to like Reese Witherspoon. If it turns out that I'm right that it was the MTV Movie Awards, then we have to watch the Ice Cream Man as a Patreon sure. for the month of October. Easy. Would you ever read <laughs> The Boys, written by Ron Howard and Clint Howard? No. Wait, is that like their autobiography? <laughs> yeah. Just us boys, the Howard boys. The boys. Justin just texted us a picture of of uh, Clint Howard. I think he's looking better with age. He's got, oh a, he's got himself God, a big old. Clint Howard. He's got himself a big old okay, beard. Now. I take it back. Maybe he did MTV Movie Awards because he's he sporting was, that sweet Apollo thirteen actor. crew he shirt. He was like a. He's like a character actor too. Yeah. right? Oh, did you not know who he was? You, no, you I thought you were thinking Clint Howard, director or something. He, he looks like that guy who. Um, Everybody's reading his book right now, and he, like, oh my helps god, all musicians! Clint Howard, MTV Movie Awards Lifetime Achievement, nineteen ninety eight. Wow, we're watching me. Ice Cream Man. You got me. Well, I didn't realize. Yeah, I didn't realize this was who he was. I would have maybe believed it because he he's like, is he like in Adam Sandler movies? I can't remember him in any, but I wouldn't put it past him. He could, he could have. Give me his hits. And now let me see what what his most latest movie was in nineteen ninety eight. It actually could have been Apollo thirteen. Clint Howard. Who is he in Apollo 13? He's just like one of the guys in the control room, but he gets a few special moments. That feels like somebody bought that for him to get the His MTV brother. Movie Awards. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Ron calls the head Ron of MTV. Ron feels bad. <laughs> 1998, he had done The Water Boy, so he could have- Water there you Boy, go. There's I Sandler. knew it. Okay, I am realizing who he is now. My bad. But he had also done The Dentist 2. Again, this does not give you a life time achievement award no yeah of, of course it's a it's partially a joke it of feels course. like a joke but it's real they did award him they did award him the award i'm just looking at richard jenkins imdb and this man stays working oh yeah classic good character actors they work yeah because he's probably fun to work with too i'm mm-hmm. sure when directors work with him they're like that guy was good beans I but i feel like he's like movie. one of the actors we talked about this in our patreon of stepmom how ed harris has been the same age for like 40 years i feel like the same way with richard jenkins for sure he looks exactly the same now that he does in wool like a 50 year old man for 40 years there's a new nick cage movie that looks oh kinda... it looks so good oh, dream scenario yeah. uh-huh. mm-hmm. it kind of looks like um his like version of adaptation now like it, yeah, it's, it's got giving kind of me that a, type mm-hmm. of thing Kaufman vibe yeah mm-hmm. yeah I'm excited to see that one I love I mean I love Nick Cage and I'm ready for, we should do a 
that's what we need to do. It's like like a big like Con Air or something yeah. on the pod. We should definitely do Why like Patreon. Con Air. What there's that's so- my favorite Nicolas Cage. Oh my god. Oh my god. Are you kidding me? Have you watched that movie recently? It's phenomenal. There's no maybe way that maybe- movie can beat any of what? the other great Nick Cage movies, Raising Arizona, Wild at Heart. Well, yeah, okay, sorry. We're going to hit him for Raising sure. Arizona, we should, we should just do a Nick Cage month. That would be really fun, Well, actually. we can do a top five Nick Cages on Patreon. Yeah. <laughs> but that's not as fun because we don't get to talk about the movies. Like, Oh, so you want to go, you want to do multiple Cage I movies kinda for do. I kind of do. I feel like we could maybe make people realize Cage. that Cage isn't just a joke. We could call it a Cage phenomenal match. actor. <gasps> Cage Match 2023. I was thinking like Cage Timber or Cage. It'll Vimber. be twenty twenty four by then. Cage That's true. Temper. <laughs> timber. Timber. I don't know. Cage what that Timber, means. Cage Vimber, like Cage November. Simber. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> but we could do a Cage Temper. He's famous for his fire or his rage scene. Cage Chella. We're getting too off topic though. We gotta get back to old Jack. Well, before we get specifically into Jack, let's just talk werewolves in general. What's everybody's current modern takes on how you feel about the werewolf genre in general well i have to say i am actually excited about the new werewolf movie that's going to come out with ryan gosling directed by david Derek no, Jean Derek France, Jean France. the wolfman because i'm a big fan of both those people and um, i would say this movie that we're talking about today feels like a direct remake even though it's not a universal movie the, so i don't yeah. think it's technically and it's not called the wolfman but it feels like a remake of the wolfman to me I didn't really know Wolfman till you, duh. Wolfman? Um, Wolfman. Wolfman characters. <laughs> Waiting for um, a Wolfman. Except for, I guess my, I take it back, I take it back. My first introduction to wolf characters mm-hmm. would probably be Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Seth Green right. was famously turned into a werewolf or was a werewolf on that show. Mm-hmm. So that was probably like the original. What about you, Justin? What's your feelings on the werewolf genre in general? Um, Broken today, like every other uh classic movie monster vampires sure. broken zombies broken werewolves broken mummies some thriving mummies, some thriving more than others yeah mummies uh for sure fucking <laughs> god awful <laughs> but i guess like historically historically you liked they it were growing up they were the best i think i mean just sing single-handedly for me because of american werewolf in london Sure. Um, I don't think there's any zombie movie or vampire movie that tops that movie. Yeah, it's one of the it's one of the all timers for sure. Yeah. But on the whole, I do feel like werewolf movies are harder to pull off than say a vampire movie. Mm-hmm. There's probably more good vampire movies than there are good werewolf movies. There's certainly more good zombie movies than there are good werewolf yeah. movies. Mm-hmm. I really like Silver um, Bullet. Me too. Fun has a little bit of a silly vibe to it, but if you're into like the Stephen King mode and you love Busey like we do, mm-hmm. then you're gonna love. You're that gonna movie. fucking love it. <laughs> <laughs> Super fun. The Howling is really fun. Mm-hmm. Um, I like Bad Moon. One that I like could never quite get into is Wolfen, which is more of like a detective. <laughs> it's a hilarious <laughs> title. It's teen, cool. Isn't Teen Wolf? Teen Wolf. Yeah, mm-hmm. Teen Wolf is great. But in general, you see a lot of bad ones, partially yeah. because makeup. it requires, yeah, like a really good special effects makeup artist. The talent behind it has to be great. Otherwise, you're going to get mediocre yeah. wolf You stuff. made a Wolfman short film in college. That's right. Called The, the Morning After. Yeah. Very heavily influenced by this film. That was one. Justin worked on that? 
Justin did. I yeah, shot that it was his, one of the first partially in his mm-hmm. apartment. One of the first things you guys worked on together because that was like straight mm-hmm. up film school. Shot in black and white, sixty millimeter on a Bolex camera. It's all about a man realizing he was a wolf because he shit his bed. That was one of the things. <laughs> he fa- <laughs> he wakes up. Uh, his apartment's trashed. He can't find his cat. <laughs> his pants are shredded. Oh he, yeah, you showed a butt. That was does, the, yeah. that was that guy Grant. Remember? Yeah, yeah, yeah he, he was did awesome. Great. He did he's great. He was, such a good he was actor. your muse for a minute. He he's was. naked. He's also confused because he's naked. He sees a giant pile of shit on the ground. Suddenly becomes scared that somebody has broken into his place and trashed it and shit on the floor until he realizes that the doors are locked and there's a skid mark in his sheet. <laughs> Uh, and then he classic, and then he classic. finds his cat mutilated um a number of things happen you know one of the reasons i've always been a really really big fan of wolf i got bit by the wolf fangs early on i think i talked about this on maybe the jackie brown episode i saw this movie on hbo in a hotel room with my parents when it premiered on hbo mm. been a huge fan of it ever since Bought it on DVD in the early days. Did you ever buy DVDs from deepdiscountdvd.com? No. It had like a shark as a mascot. Mm-mm. You could find DVDs cheaper than anywhere on Deep Discount DVD. And I just remember buying this one off of it. That was a website? Mm-hmm. They website. would ship it to your door. Yeah. What? Mm-hmm. As yeah. most of them wow. do. <laughs> <laughs> um, <laughs> they weren't that special for that reason, uh, but they had really deep discounts on their DVDs, literally like $5. You know, you could buy DVDs for $5 and they would come shrink wrapped and everything. They weren't like used. Wow. But I, what I think, I, what always attracted me about this movie was its detail oriented take on becoming a werewolf. Like I mm-hmm. liked that it focused on the sort of minute details of like the things you would notice in your day-to-day life if you were bit by a werewolf, which was a big inspiration for that short film Corey was talking about, because that's all it was, was just slow reveals for these little kind of like innocuous details. Um, how about you, Justin? What is What was your relationship to this movie before this rewatch? Just, what, uh, just you showing me the movie. I'm not uh, a big Michelle... I wasn't a big Michelle Pfeiffer fan. Mm-hmm. Um, Interesting. I didn't grow up with Scarface. I I liked Batman, but you know, I, other than Catwoman, I had no uh, affection. Hey, that was all I needed. Yeah, <laughs> that's all I had, and that's all I needed. But there, there, Michelle Pfeiffer's not my not my type, and mm. uh, Jack Nicholson, uh, he's great, but I, I didn't really have that much appreciation for him either. And so the concept of him as a werewolf wasn't like sexy to me. It didn't really mm. excite me. I remember seeing the VHS tape at video rental stores and um, always glossed over it, didn't care. But when you told me it was amazing and you loved it and it was a werewolf movie, Jack Nicholson, blah, blah, blah. Uh, James Spader, I think you probably sold me on. I I would have been pumped to Mm -hmm. see a James Spader werewolf movie. I was on board and I remember liking the movie when you showed it to me. But I think the aspects of the movie I like the most are the social dynamics and the the stuff that has n- almost nothing to do with actually turning into a werewolf and fighting each other and jumping in slow <laughs> yeah. motion and all that stuff. I do find the relationship between Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer really weird in this movie. It's lacking. And pe- personally, yeah. I think it doesn't work. But, it's lacking. Um, but yeah, I had a good time rewatching it. 
I'm still collecting my thoughts, but I, I don't think I'm going to end this podcast feeling like it's uh, anywhere like near my favorite werewolf movie. Sure. Um, sure. Or horror movie. But uh, I had a good time watching it and I liked the Spader Nicholson component uh, yeah. of the movie. This movie would not be yeah. the same without Spader. No. Mm-hmm. I get it. Honestly, I would never go to the bat and say this movie isn't flawed. As you said in a previous episode, I would make space for people who thought this movie was silly. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm not going to argue that. It is kind of silly. It does. It's weird. It's confused. It's a little mixed up. But there is something enchanting about it to me, partially because of the things I already mentioned about the details, but I like the vibe of the movie that's sort of trying to go for this classic horror movie vibe. It reminds me a little bit of Cape Fear in that sense where it's doing a modern update, but it's clearly trying to like pay deep homage mm-hmm. to the roots. And there's just something sort of sweet about it to me. Like I find the movie romantic in a cinematic way that um, no other werewolf movie gives me. Mm-hmm. You know, like I don't feel it from any other werewolf movie. So it stands out. It's unique in that sense. And I do just fucking love it. But I would never... I would never demand somebody else love it. Um, no, and because I, I know it's a, I would it, totally understand <laughs> if they don't. <laughs> I really like this movie, but I feel like the reason I really like this movie is straight up just because of Jack Nicholson and James Spader and Jenkins and Pfeiffer. Like it's the actors that make this movie work for me because especially Jack Nicholson and Spader when they are like together, they are both so Those weird. Those scenes are so good. They're both so weird. Spader is the funniest actor to watch to me, especially when they're both turning into wolves. <laughs> we'll talk more about Spader this is one of the it. most but- interesting components of the movie to me because as a villain, he is constantly hiding the entire movie. He's yes. not, and even when he's caught, even when we know he's the villain, he still puts on this persona that he loves and respects Jack Nicholson uh-huh. yes. and will so do funny. anything he tells him to do. Mm-hmm. And Jack Nicholson is like, I quit. And he's like, yeah. I can't yeah. anything but that. I can't do that. Uh. Yeah. He's so slimy, but in such a funny way. And the way that they both turn into wolves cracks me up. Like the way Jack Nicholson runs in this movie and the way James Spader sits yeah. in a chair. Those two things alone make me like this movie because they are so such funny details that they both do. The way that Jack Nicholson and James Spader embody their werewolf personas Mm -hmm. is the most interesting choice to me. And so that's why I like it. It's like, maybe if you're not tapped into it, you might be laughing at it a little bit. Mm -hmm. But in my opinion, it's so fun to watch Mm -hmm. in both cases. I love the personalities of like all the small characters in this movie too. Like everybody has such a specific point of view. Like who's the guy from Frasier? What's his name? David Hyde um, Pierce. Pierce. David Hyde Pierce. He's in like two scenes and he makes me laugh out loud yeah. in them. Like, I gotta admit, it's like, he. Almost, I think his last line in the movie is that great moment where he was like, do you have permission to do any of this stuff? Yeah. And he's like, no. And he was like, you're my God. Yes, <laughs> yeah. that, that's the moment I laughed out loud. And it was so funny. And then he's just like gone the rest of the movie. It's yeah. kind of a bummer. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think the movie shines when they're at the office, when they're at the publishing yes. house. Yes. Um, but yeah, I really struggle when he's with Michelle Pfeiffer. Yeah, that that definitely is like the weakest point because the movie, I think, is really trying to be in tune with like its themes more so than surface level things you would come to like a horror movie mm-hmm. for. It's not particularly gory. 
the the scenes in which there is werewolf violence oftentimes kind of take the off-screen route and they're they're not trying to like which is honestly yeah. smart because I don't I think it would have looked silly. Yeah, you can tell. By the time it gets to those moments, the movie's already established itself as being interested in other things. Mm-hmm. And if you're interested in those things too, I think the movie is delivers on that. You know, it's really interested I think in masculinity and impotence and sort of the the wolves of the business world and I think a spiritual component to like what it's like to sort of embody your inner wolf. Like in my opinion, the, the this movie is is more about like how we all have a degree of wolf in us, and it's not necessarily a bad thing. It just depends on how you use it and how much you use it. A lot of wolf movies are about you know the the sort of like evil of man or the primal nature of man that you have to sort of like tamp down and watch out for. Some of them are about puberty, like Teen Wolf. This one is almost like reverse puberty because mm-hmm. it's about an older character who is a kind of a pushover his greatest he doesn't really do anything wrong to deserve this curse his biggest sin is that he's like too nice of a guy yeah because everybody likes him everybody likes him but he gets pushed around and so when he gets bitten by this wolf you almost get this reverse thing where it's like he becomes stronger more virile uh more confident and yeah, I think in a very exciting way, starts to like take the reins on his life a little bit. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's a fun thrill of the movie is to like watch him release the wolf on these people in a way that is so satisfying to me because a movie does a good job of showing you that he gets like jerked around. And that's something that I think is unique to this werewolf movie that most of them don't give you. Yeah, I think it's a movie about aging and all of those things that you described that sort of come with being a wolf. Uh, you know, he's about to exp- he's about to be replaced by a younger, more hungry person. Mm-hmm. And so getting bit by the wolf gives him that youthfulness. Just an interesting commentary on getting old and, and retiring or moving on and mm-hmm. uh, being mm-hmm. replaced by somebody younger, hungrier than you. And I don't know. It's interesting. It's an interesting component to it. I just, yeah, going back to Michelle Pfeiffer, I'm I'm like trying to think about his character and like two things pop up to me. I, I'm not blaming Michelle Pfeiffer, but, and, you know. Certainly not. She's doing the best with the script yeah. that ain't working for her. For sure. Uh, ain't working for her. And also like to to just ding ding Jackie boy a little bit. Like I, I think, um, God, like it's a lot of negging. He's not really being charming to me in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And it's like the only way he can like connect with her is by like berating her or, you know, putting putting her down with like stereotypes of who he thinks she is. And it's like, how is but it? That's this the is, script. That's fully the script. Yeah, but is he not being, but he's not being charismatic. He's not being charming. Yeah. You know I don't know. I, mean? I do kind of. I do kind of like that scene. I totally agree with what mm-hmm. you're saying, but we'll say we were chuckling. At, yeah, we were chuckling when he was doing that because she is cold, you know, and she is sort mm-hmm. of standoffish, and you know, he's in his state where he's letting the wolf out a little bit, and so there's something kind of fun about mm-hmm. him calling her on her standoffishness and doing it, you know, like poking her right to the core. Yeah, but it's just such a, it's such a cliche. It would have been interesting to see him flirt with her in a more interesting way or something that utilized his charm 
a little bit yeah. more. But his, this like weird character. Other than I did like that one line he has where he's like, uh, ask her what she does, and she's like, "Why do you care?" And he's like, "I don't." <laughs> I'm just I love that. making small talk. Like that's fun. Uh, that that was enjoyable. So I think that the romance is not really there. There's some sexiness in their relationship. I mean, she's just so beautiful. Because she's sexy and he's got a sexy quality too. But the real love is not there. When you compare this to something like The Fly, yeah, just kind of a similar story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we talked so much about how effective oh, the emotion and the chemistry and the romance. And not only from a romantic standpoint, but I do feel like this movie does drop the ball a little bit in its emotional climax because the story is sad. Ultimately, it's a curse, and he's going to turn into a wolf. Before he does that, he turns into a killer, something that he does not want to be. And I do think that there is a missed opportunity by the third act of this movie to like get us as the audience to a place of sad, devastating emotion that they could have done yeah. had they worked that romance a little bit better. And had they chosen to just give us a scene where he's like really conflicted about it. You know, I, most listeners probably don't, aren't aware that I had a band called Mr. Bear and I had a song called the Wolfman's Sad Song. Yeah. Very much inspired by this movie, but almost inspired in the way where it's like, I wanted to write a song that like did that scene that I felt like this movie was missing. And so the song is all about that sort of dilemma of two people who are romantically involved with each other, but one of them is a wolf and the other one has to basically come to terms with the fact that they're going to have to kill this person or 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 distance themselves from them and I felt like that's such a romantic sad idea mm-hmm. that this movie doesn't really deliver on and honestly no werewolf movie really you delivers on You know what's on. going to is the Ryan Gosling one I hope I so I bet that's what it's going to be all I bet it's going to be like Blue Valentine Wolfman edition I think there's a Wolfman movie where you can make people cry because there is so. something sad this, about I, the idea. I, I of it. bet, I bet that's what they're going for. At least I hope that's what they're going for. Because and the fly the is the prototype. Do it. The two of them. The fly is the prototype. Yeah, and the fly through his romance with Gina Davis from the opening frame of that movie, we not only see flirtation and see mm-hmm. a relationship building, but we also see his flaws within that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Like yeah. we we see something's off. And maybe mm-hmm. he's like a little bit. Uh, we the what later becomes like much bigger problems once he becomes the fly. But um, yeah, so missed opportunity for them to build his character through that that romance. You know, mm-hmm. Mike Nichols is the director of this movie. He did The Graduate. He did Who's Afraid of Virginia Wolf, his first wolf movie. Um, he also did a, a handful of things with Jack Nicholson, like Carnal Knowledge. But he like what was talked about with The Fly, he did see this movie in a way as an AIDS metaphor because he had had a number of friends who had died of AIDS and he wanted to comment on that with this movie. But I thought it was interesting. This is his quote about it. He said, "Um, this is a time in which there are terrible diseases like AIDS and terrible things happening to people through circumstances that no one can control. I'm trying to make some sense of that. I find some hope within it. Wolf is not an AIDS metaphor, but it is about a world in which uncontrollable things are happening to people and about our need to deal with this on a spiritual level and find some honor within that horror. And I thought that was interesting Mm -hmm. that like, he's not trying to make a movie about AIDS and how terrible it is, which is, you know, you could say the fly is that, you know, how devastating it is to like suffer from that disease, but make a movie about finding honor within something that you can't control like a disease. 
I can see that in this movie. You know, this is about a man taking control of his life through the curse that he has. Ultimately, it is a curse, but he's using it to sort of empower himself in a way. And when you think of that in a way of like, he's trying to kind of make this movie that is a tribute to people who he knew that died of AIDS, it makes it sort of a sweet uh, point of view, yeah. I think. I think it's a great- in, in doing that. I think it's a great quote. I think if you'd told me that came out of David Cronenberg's mouth for The Fly, <laughs> I would have bought that for sure. I yeah. love the sentiment. I just, I'm not really seeing it in the movie. And I wish the movie had more of the curse element of it. I'm just watching- the the takeaways that I have w- without mm-hmm. sitting in front of the movie, the feeling that I'm left with after the fact is a man who, for the most part, until the end, ends mm-hmm. up kind of succeeding because of the curse. Mm-hmm. And yeah. there's there's really like other than the the red herring of him thinking that maybe he killed his uh, ex wife, yeah. um, he kills one person or maybe a group of three people. Um, it's also implied that he didn't even kill those people. What was the implication? The well, like he finds fingers in his yeah. pocket of one of the guys, mm-hmm. and then later on, you see, oh yeah, you see the mom of the guy, and she was like, "Get the man who mutilated my son, or like, or who took his fingers, or something like she that." Does it specifically imp- say that. it basically implied he was still alive, just mutilated. Yeah. Well, either way, that's if that's true or not. That's uh, a, you proves know, your point. Pro- yeah. Exactly. Proving my point. And and but again, it's like it just would be. An interesting thing for the movie to have explored more. I think The Fly does it really well. Um, It's very clearly a curse in The Fly. Yeah. And it Mm -hmm. has benefits, but the benefits are not the central point of of the movie. Yeah. Um, We talked about how on The Fly, there's like a section that feels like a cocaine metaphor. Yeah. Because he's like getting better at everything and stronger. Almost the entirety of Wolf is the cocaine metaphor. <laughs> like yeah. he gets bit by the wolf yeah. and now he's fucking good at his job. Yeah. He's got energy. He feels like a new man. And that actually lasts for like a good solid hour of the mm-hmm. movie where he's just kind of kicking ass in the workplace. <laughs> yeah. And I do love it. That's that the most fun part of the movie. I think, him I think maybe that could be just to, 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 give the movie a break, maybe that is an inherent issue with the Wolfman premise is that it is such a great gift. And <laughs> well, but back do in the-, the other one, the other ones don't do that though. Like the original Lon Chaney Jr. Wolfman doesn't have him being like good at his job. No, of course. He just turns but- into a wolf and eats people. Yeah. But, it, but it's like, what is um, exactly the curse? Because for the most part, like, you're just dipping out at night when there's a full moon. Yeah, you have yeah. very little memory of what you did. And so you kind of have to live with the consequences of what happens at night. But yeah. for the most part, during the day, you're just you. Like you're you're doing great at your you're job. Not yeah. You're really good you're, at basketball. Yeah. It's, Unless it's like the premise what- of the wolf is that you slowly start to turn into a wolf and it's irreversible and then you're just always a wolf for the rest of your life that's pretty fucked but if you're- that's what this is though that is what this is that's what om puri says he, he says one he says the the author that he goes and sees mm-hmm. he says one the wolf isn't inherently evil an evil man makes an evil wolf mm-hmm. basically is one thing he says, which I do like that premise too. But then he says it's going to slowly grow inside you until the full moon where it will totally consume you. 
Yeah, but that doesn't so I think imply, by the end of this but, movie, but that doesn't when imply he... that it's going to be forever. It just means when there's a full moon, you fully turn into a wolf. Nobody, you might be right, but I'm, the movie doesn't explicitly say. True, right. it doesn't explicitly. Once yeah. you go wolf, you don't go back. <laughs> and also, Michelle, the ending, <laughs> the ending of Michelle Pfeiffer uh, uh-huh. implies that maybe she's going back and forth. You know, like that she she could. There is. Oh, a, we should talk about it when we get there because yeah. I think we have different, slightly different interpretations. But I agree that mm. I think it's up for interpretation. Yeah. Oh, well, let's take a quick break. We'll be right back to talk more about Mike Nichols. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp H-E-L-P. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Welcome back to Cinema Possess, and we are talking Wolf, the animal is out. An elegant go-for-the-throat suspense thriller. On the back, it also explains it as wickedly funny, and I can't ever hear the word wickedly without mm-hmm. thinking of John Travolta. The wickedly talented Adele Dazim. A wickedly funny, wildly romantic, white-knuckle thriller. Mm. I do think it is funny. It is funny, but white knuckle thriller. It's not no. white knuckle, and it's not wildly romantic. Either. Why is it called no. white knuckle? You're, you're just when gripping you grip your... something yeah. so mm-hmm. hard when you're white knuckling it. Like when I when you're desperately trying to get home before you shit your pants, and you're you're clutched to the <laughs> steering wheel. That's white knuckling it. That's white knuckling <laughs> it. You know that feeling well. Mm-hmm. We all know that one. Thank you for putting it in terms <laughs> I could understand. <laughs> They should change it to prairie dog in it. To, Ew, to, to, uh, to like Gene Siskel says, I was prairie dogging it through the whole third no, act. Uh, <laughs> a prairie dogging thriller. Gross. <laughs> that's a that's a big compliment because that basically means not not only is the movie possibly making you have to shit, mm-hmm. but you're so enthralled by what you're watching that you're willing to hold it in. You're glued in yeah. the most uncomfortable way humanly possible. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably still making a mess. And you have the ability to hit pause. But you're not going to do it. <laughs> this movie opens. It opens in Vermont. It does. Yeah. That was cool. Did you immediately recognize it? Were you like, no. there it is? <laughs> I mean, all it looks like, you know, they're in New England. But, you know, I don't know. I didn't know Vermont until they said. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it was cool. Added yeah, to the spooky. spooky factor. 
And that Enio Morricone score starts playing. Cool score. Very cool. Enio Morricone is one of the best. Even when he's totally in another planet with what <laughs> music he's making for the movie, it's still awesome. Yeah. Which honestly, I think is why a lot of the music is awesome for a lot of his movies. It's like he challenges the filmmakers to be like, use this shit. What are some of his <laughs> other movies? Good and the Bad and the Ugly. He did all those spaghetti westerns for Sergio Leone. Um, U-Turn. I love how quirky and weird his U-Turn score is. He did um, the music for The Hateful Eight. Tarantino's mm. only original score. He's great. Pretty pretty bold to start off a werewolf movie with the inciting incident, pretty yeah. much. Mm-hmm. You, you usually get like, Does that I don't know, like happen? one scene to get to know the <laughs> yeah. character before they get bit. I, well, still, I, mean, I, I still guess... think the opening scene from uh, American Werewolf in London is is one of the best. It's incredible. Yeah. What I like about this one is just how ordinary it is. He's just driving along. He hits a wolf. He goes to basically drag it off the street, and it just sort of like lifts up, bites him, and runs away. The question we had when we were watching it is, why is he, why is he doing this? Why is he getting out of his car? Corey I had the same question. I had the same question. I can explain my reasoning for it. You know, he almost got into a huge wreck hitting this wolf. It's still in the road. And so as a as a good Samaritan, you are supposed to like move the animal off the road so that you don't cause a wreck. So he goes over to it and he like pokes it with a stick. I think just to see like, is it dead? Before I touch this thing, is it dead? He thinks it is. And when he goes to like, grab it to pull it off that's when it wakes up that tracks mm-hmm. that does track yeah. i guess it's just because we know it's a werewolf movie we're like why the fuck are you doing <laughs> you're going this? stay yeah. away from it yeah they could have had him say like i can't just leave this thing here yeah somebody might get in a car yeah i was like accident. where's your impression because that wasn't it now i hear <laughs> I it i can't just leave the wolf here it's always jack nicholson from uh like as good as it gets yeah <laughs> <laughs> and that's about schmidt that was my about mm-hmm. schmidt nicholson mm-hmm. Um, I do love the reveal of the other wolves in the woods. That's a cool shot. Wolf bites him. It runs into the woods. You follow a real wolf into the woods, and then the camera slowly pans and reveals there's like eight other wolves standing are there. Are we to believe those are all werewolves? I do. Mm-hmm. That's what I believe. I think so. I think it's, uh, as we'll, we'll find out later, I think it's a society of werewolves living <laughs> A pack of wearies. Mm-hmm. Most of them appear to be animatronic in that shot, mm-hmm. but there does appear to be at least one other real wolf yeah. kind of walking around. It's an effective shot. I think it's a really it's cool spooky because it's like, are they about to jump him and mm-hmm. rip him to shreds? I, it makes me wonder why they don't. Like, I, I just thought that's what werewolves do is if you, you don't want to be caught out in the middle of the night with a werewolf roaming around and there's like eight of them, how are they not ripping him to pieces? Well, like I said, the... It's not inherently evil. Yeah. Evil man, evil wolf. And so they probably, they're probably standing there going, yeah. hey, I'll see you next month, bud. You'll be, you'll be right here with us. <laughs> also, too, I think the movie never really uses the word werewolf, right? They just, they just call it demon wolf. wolf. Yeah, they just call yeah, it yeah, demon. Yeah. Rick Baker did the makeup effects for Nicholson and Spader, their faces, but he actually did not do any of these animatronics. He got signed on late into the project. Unbeknownst to him, they had already hired... Studio ADI 
Alec Gillis and Tom Woodruff to do all of the animatronics for it, as well as a lot of the gore, like some severed heads and things like that, that don't even really make it into the movie. Rick Baker seemed kind of displeased by that in the interview that I watched with him. He seemed kind of to be one disappointed because he was like, I would have loved to have made those wolves. And he also gives little hints that he don't think the wolves look that great, Mm -hmm. which I agree. Some might agree. agree. They're definitely not the most realistic looking wolves. Rick Baker's would have been way cooler. He basically was like, they hired me as if I was just some guy they had like seen on a list. And I kept kind of trying to like, tell these people like you know i've done this before like i did american werewolf in london like i know what i'm doing here um but everybody kept kind of being like you're just the effects guy right <laughs> from jack nicholson to mike nichols he, he definitely didn't feel like anybody really knew who he was my sources for this were that rick baker book that you got me metamorphosis has some really good information obviously about the special effects and how they did things but a little bit of insight too into how the movie was made from Rick Baker's point of view. But then I also tracked down a documentary, the DVD edition that I have here. Love the cover of it, but zilch special features, just absolutely nothing on this. There's a really good Blu-ray of this that's released by Indicator Series, who uh, I have a couple of their DVDs. It's a a European Blu-ray company. I have their Modern Romance edition. I have their um, Irreversible edition. Indicator knows the movies that I like, but they're kind of hard to get. You know, you can't find them in stores in America. You have to order them. And they have a great Wolf Blu-ray that has an hour-long documentary called The Beast Inside that I was able to track down online, but through some shady-ass sources. It's very hard to find. I had to fight pop-ups and porn all the way <laughs> through Jesus. it. But um, I was able to watch it. And that was a really good source for learning the story of this because the documentary interviewed Wesley Strick who is a screenwriter on this, who we know from Cape Fear. He was also the screenwriter on Cape Fear. Ooh. I kind of like Wesley Strick now, having watched all the interviews he did for Cape Fear and this interview for Wolf. He's a weird kind of guy, but I sort of like his vibe. Mm. But he kind of he kind of broke it down. Basically, Mike Nichols, who is known, he was a theater guy, came from the theater. Most of his movies are character-based, talky dramas. By 1993, he was really looking to kind of reinvent himself. He was seeing the writing on the wall big budget blockbuster movies. He wanted to try his hand at a big budget thing. According to Wesley Strick, he really loved Batman Returns. And he was like, I want to do my Batman Returns, which maybe explains why Michelle Pfeiffer is in it. You know, Jack Nicholson played the Joker in the original Batman and Wesley Strick wrote Batman Returns. So he was like, I want to do my version of it. They ended up originally hiring this author named Jim Harrison Kind of like a James Dickey sort of guy, very masculine Northwest wilderness kind of dude. Jack Nicholson was friends with him, and he was like, this guy's in touch with his animal side. So they got him to write the first draft of it, but it didn't really have, it was like written more like a novel, and it was more ideas than it was scenes. And he was kind of too weird of a dude that they couldn't really develop the script with him very well. Mm. So they ended up bringing on Wesley Strick to essentially take his place and do a full rewrite with his thing. But a lot of the ideas that Harrison brought in there was all the stuff about like man dealing with his primal self. Wesley Strick is kind of like a New York City urban guy. So he's like, I'm not that in tune with that stuff. So he brought all of the sort of corporate atmosphere. So already you're getting this kind of blending of two different 
ideas and two different people trying their way. Mike Nichols has his own ideas about what the movie's about. Jack Nicholson had his own ideas about what the movie's about. And on top of that, nobody is really thinking about Michelle Pfeiffer's character. So they ended up bringing in Elaine May to do rewrites on her character. So I think anything you get from the Michelle Pfeiffer character, you could maybe thank Elaine May for. Mm -hmm. But even still, it ain't coming through Mm -hmm. that well. And then Ennio Morricone is also making a different movie too, because Ennio Morricone saw this movie as a dream. And so all his music is very ethereal and dreamlike. And they said that they kept begging Ennio Morricone to make scary music. Like, we got to try to scare people with this. And he was like, but this is a dream. The movie is a dream. (laughs) (laughs) So you're getting this sort of tonal soup with this that I do think works in the movie's favor in making it unique and interesting. And in my opinion, really fun to watch. But on the flip side, it's not super cohesive, and it's probably the reason why most people thought it was weird. The movie did okay, made decent money, but wasn't reviewed very well, and audiences definitely like gave it strange feedback. Because <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> it doesn't deliver on what you would what maybe expect. What the boys think of it? Who are the boys? Oh, uh, are you talking about Cisco and Hubert? Who are the boys? Or, or are you talking about Clint Howard and Ron Howard? <laughs> <laughs> you got me. Cisco uh, and Ebert thought it was fine. They, they, I think they both gave it a thumbs up. I did watch it. I believe they both gave it a thumbs up, but they also agreed that the movie was odd. Mm. Why did he choose Mike Nichols? I know. Mike Nichols seems like a strange choice. Well, it was Jack Nicholson's idea. He wanted to do a Wolfman movie, and he'd worked with Mike Nichols, I think, three different times. Mm. He'd just worked with him a couple of years earlier in uh, Heartburn. Now, what would so have been like, really fucking cool is if he brought back Simon and Garfunkel and... Dustin Hoffman. Mm, and it was, that would have been cool. Yeah. Like bringing the band back together, but with werewolf stuff. Yeah. He fun. almost, it's almost like Nichols fighting his instincts because he wanted so badly to like prove himself as like a big budget filmmaker that he, but he, you can see what he's interested in coming mm-hmm. in. Also, it should be noted too that this was a time when you were getting a lot of 90s like remakes of stuff you had, um, Francis Ford Coppola's Bram Stoker's Dracula came out like a few years before this. You had Kenneth Branagh's Frankenstein with Robert De Niro that came Mm -hmm. out. We talked about Cape Fear. So I think it was a time where people were going like, let's give some big directors a shot at making some genre stuff. So I think there was maybe an excitement about seeing what Mike Nichols would do with it. And hey, in my opinion, good. I'm glad this isn't just... Because you see a couple of years later with American Werewolf in Paris. That's just everything garbage about a werewolf movie. You you know what I mean? Like, I'm glad this one is at least shooting for something different. Yeah. I like the little transition from this opening. It sound you're you're like zooming in on a wolf and you hear growling noises and then it cross dissolves and the growling is actually Jack Nicholson gurgling mouthwash in his yeah, bathroom. That's brilliant. There's a lot of little touches of humor in the movie that I think are perfectly pitched. This scene did also remind me that Jack Nicholson kind of sort of um not taught me but made me made, when I, I okay let me explain this better <laughs> i saw a behind the scenes of the shining one time yeah and in it jack nicholson is like talking to the camera and he's brushing his teeth and the way in which he brushes his teeth changed the way that i brush my teeth and let me explain what that is jack nicholson <laughs> 
after he brushes his teeth, he doesn't like make a little cup of water in his hand or drink a little cup of water to rinse. Or bend down and put his whole head under the sink. No, he just keeps rinsing his toothbrush off to keep washing like the, the soap off and then spits and then that's it. No rinse of the mouth, which I have found out is a better is better for your teeth to keep some of that fluoride on. I don't know if that's an interesting story to anybody, but I brush huh. my teeth differently now, all because of old Jack. You hear that, folks? Brush it the Jack Nicholson way. It's the interesting. shining way. Go go look it up. YouTube's got it, I bet. It's there. That's that's the real meaning of the shining. Mm-hmm. Polish hey. the Cooper wanted us to know. He works at the Bradbury building. We've been to the Bradbury building before. Mm-hmm. It's right here in LA. This movie, I think, is set in New York, mm-hmm. but the Bradbury building is a famous Los Angeles. Yeah. I think that's also the Blade Runner has a location Mm -hmm. there. He works with David Hyde Pierce. They think he's probably going to get fired. They say if he does, they're all going to walk with him, his whole team. They're going to go with him. They clearly love this guy. He forbids them to do it because he's a nice-ass guy. Christopher Plummer is his boss. His name's Alden. Takes him on a walk. Which is such a weird walk. He literally links arm with him like Mm -hmm. they're little buddies to fire him. I'd be like, go fuck yourself. Technically, he doesn't fire him. He demotes him. He basically presents they have another position in Eastern Europe, and he would highly encourage him to take the job. You're a nice guy, Will. Thank God I replaced you. I guess the question that I ask is like, who is this fucking character outside of just being a pushover? Like you say, there's not many strong scenes in the movie uh, before he becomes a wolf. Yeah. Like once he becomes a wolf, he has the power within him to sort of combat this situation mm-hmm. that's happening to him but before mm-hmm. that happens i'm i don't know if he's good or bad i don't know mm-hmm. anything about him i agree that i think jack nicholson isn't good at playing that part of the character he's good at playing the wolf as we all knew jack nicholson would be he would be excellent at being the wolf but he's not great at playing the schlubby Willie Loman style character because Jack is too cool. So yeah, the first 15 minutes of the movie, the script that you can hear in the dialogue, he says stuff like, you know, did you get the promotion or like, did you get the sale? I did it the old fashioned way. I begged. And like people saying like, you're a nice guy. I'm, uh, I shouldn't have hired you because you're so nice. I know, it's so unbelievable. It's kind of, cause funny when you say that line of like, I begged because I thought like, ah, oh, that's funny. Like dog watching it because oh. it likes, no. There is a lot of dog puns too. <laughs> but I just thought like funny to hear Jack Nicholson say it. Like I, it almost felt like he was like making a joke to mm-hmm. her. Not that like his character actually is this like, little feeble guy who would have to grovel yeah and it doesn't like when he's like walking around with um what's his name plumber christopher plumber christopher Mm -hmm. plumber and they're like smoking cigars and he's getting fired i'm like fucking jack nicholson is cool as hell in this scene yeah it's not yeah it doesn't really that the beginning doesn't really work because jack nicholson is just too cool of a person to seem like a not cool person they even do another thing too where he's like they're like you haven't even touched your steak and he's like red meat all bloody i just can't do it <laughs> they're trying so hard to set him up as like the opposite of like an animal masculine man mm-hmm. but he's just jack nichols and he's too cool thankfully that's only like the first 15 yeah, minutes once of the it movie. starts switching i am like i'm along for the ride. almost every time i watch this movie that first 15 minutes i am sort of always like is this movie as fun as i think it is but i will say i always do a full 180 when he becomes wolf no i had a blast he scares a bunch of horses He doesn't know why, but we learn that it's because they can, I guess horses don't like wolves. He walks away and he meets Michelle Pfeiffer, who is Alden's daughter. She looks fucking great. 
Her, she has dream hair. Like, my literal dream hair is hers in this movie. Yeah, you've taken pictures of her from this movie and brought them to the to the salon before, right? Yeah, I've never quite hit the nail on the head with that <laughs> one, though. There's an interesting moment where he loses his balance and accidentally gropes her boobs. Very weird. Very, very goes, weird moment. She goes, did you do that on purpose? And he goes, you're perfectly safe. I'm married. And she goes, and that makes you safe? I think he's genuine. I, I think he is like, I wouldn't do anything. I'm I, married. I think it is supposed to make it seem that way, but it's, it just feels so weird. Mm-hmm. You think Jack Nicholson is a wife guy in this? I got to ask. <laughs> it's been brought up on almost every episode. Do you think he qualifies? No. Uh, maybe, <laughs> maybe. Maybe he was at the beginning. But no, because it's like they haven't had sex in a really long time, and like he was letting that marriage die. Yeah. So basically, he goes back into the party and he tells Spader, "You got the job." And Spader does the thing where he's like, "Tell me what to do, Will. You tell me what to do, and I'll do it. If you don't want me, if you want to tell me to fuck him, I'll say fuck him." What is he, but Johnny Depp from Fear and Loathing? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, that impression again. You got to work on it. But my favorite part of this whole scene is his wife, because I've never related to a character more. She's like, what the fuck she's did he so say? She's so pissed. And she's like, did you say anything back? No, give me every detail. Why didn't you say this back to him? And I'm like, this is anytime I feel like somebody has wronged Jack, I'm like, I will murder them. Let's go. Let's yeah. go right now. I get so mad. And you're just like, you're I'm being oftentimes ridiculous. having to like tamp you down a little bit. I'm like, just you're, just relax a little bit. I appreciate that, but uh, you're going too hard. Uh, uh. That's when I'll start to explain the politics of it. Well, you know, they're not actually that bad. Man, I can't, I need to get more wolf in me. You do. But then, Ouch. you know, she doesn't, she's kind of got some, you know, no, I know. A later she's reveal bad. about He's her. Good. He's good. Makes and this moment bad. a little more twisted. Yeah. So then they go to bed. She's still fucking stewing about it. It's really funny. But they do like an Ari Aster cut where it's like nighttime and then smash cut to the daytime. She gets up. She tries to rustle him out of bed. And he's like, wake me up at 730. She leaves, crossfade. She comes back in. She shuffles him awake. She's like, dude, it's like fucking eight o'clock. And he's like, I told you to wake me up at 730. She's like, it's eight o'clock at night. You dope, you slept all day. Be starving, they eat some breakfast, and then they he's, fuck. he's still hungry. They bone. Yeah. What was in that stew? <laughs> Great line. <laughs> and now, now the movie starts to pick up. For yes, and it is all the stuff that happens at, at work. Mm-hmm. He wakes up in the morning. And it's so fun. He takes his bandage off and he sees his wolf bite is growing hair around it. Ew. Sign number one. He goes to work. He's walking down the hall and he passes this dude and he goes, how the fuck can you drink tequila this early? The guy's like, could you smell that on me? Smell it a mile away. <laughs> this accent. <laughs> what? It's, it's, it is a Jack Nicholson accent, but it's not what he sounds like in this movie. Okay, so I'll, I'll shift from about Smith and I'll go to <laughs> Witches of Eastwick and see okay. if that works better. Okay. David Hyde Pierce walks in on him as he's like marking up these papers and he says, did you get contact lenses? And he realized he's not wearing his glasses and he's like, you've edited like 60 pages of this. Thing. This is the dream of my life. Oh my God. To- Jack was like, that miracle. would be amazing. And I'm like, Jack, you don't even understand how amazing it would be. I've been blind since I was a child, like to wake up one day and be able to see. Can you imagine that to wake up one day, not only to feel like a million bucks, but like <laughs> you don't need glasses anymore. 
You can hear everything. My spine is fixed. Oh, yeah. yeah. Herniations oh. sucked back in. Yeah. That is, that's an appeal of this movie is it's a yeah. little bit of like a, a fun fantasy. Uh-huh. That's why the cocaine metaphor kind of works for it. It's like, I'm kind of realizing this is like very much what happens in a different type of way and what women want. This scene is exactly like the same scene when Mel Gibson realizes he can hear all these women's thoughts. Mm. He like goes that, out. Just to it's be almost clear, like exactly like it. He got those powers because he fell in a bathtub with a toaster. What what happened? Uh, a bl- is- hair blower, hair dryer. A hair, bl- oh hair my dryer. God, that's how Mel Gibson gets his powers. Yeah, that's so. <laughs> he like trips up. and falls and grabs the hair dryer on accident. And it's because a hair dryer is just such a a woman thing. Yeah. Uh-huh. Well, I don't know why the women thing happens exactly. I mean, like, I'm not sure why it's women. Because mm-hmm. he can now hear what women want. I'm sure there is a scene where he goes to like a shaman and learns about the rules of it or whatever. <laughs> Yeah, hey, sounds like another Patreon to me. <laughs> what women want. And this is when he goes out into the hallway. The what women want scene. And listens. And I love this. I remember the first time I saw this movie. This was when I was like, I am so fucking in on this movie. It's like this tight close up shots where we're just roving from ear to ear. And his ears are just perking and moving and swiveling to every noise it like does like a slow zoom in on the guy who he passes the tequila and you see him in his office you can hear him go how the hell did he know i put a drop of tequila in my coffee this morning don't tell people you put a drop of tequila in your coffee this morning you didn't have coffee this morning it's good it is good the reason why they wanted the bradbury building was specifically for this sequence they wanted to do they wanted to emulate what it was like for a dog to like go outside and be sort of surrounded with like a cacophony of noises and smells. And so they needed an interior space that was like open and vast and interesting. And so that's why they chose the Brad. Well, I think, um, you know, all part of why this also works so well, where for me, a lot of superhero movies don't work would be maybe thinking of like the Spider-Man example, like Peter Parker mm-hmm. is like, doesn't really need these powers it's not like he becomes Mm -hmm. spider-man and it it fixes some problem that he has but if peter parker had a disability or was uh an old man like jack nicholson and wolf getting Mm -hmm. those powers then become a lot more meaningful and you can do a lot more interesting things with them so the the typical marvel movie where you have like superman spider-man uh all these characters who are just already like privileged to begin with or able-bodied or whatever and then they get these extra superpowers is not really as exciting as like somebody who kind of actually needs them and you make a great point that this is like a superhero movie Mm -hmm. in a lot of ways it's basically doing all the superhero things and he essentially becomes a superhero a superhuman at least Mm kind of like max katie they should do this for max katie too but it all is in prison it's the origin story of Max Katie like getting strong. He reads a book and suddenly he like knows more and he uses it to like, mm-hmm. you know, one up the cook or something at the prison. Mm-hmm. He dropped a, a blow dryer in the prison shower and now he can. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he drops a law book in the shower and now he can act as his own attorney. Yeah. <laughs> and he can hear what women want. But he's in prison, so it's useless. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, cool thing about the way they did the ears. Rick Baker built these little servo motor pieces that they glued behind Jack Nicholson's ears that would remotely turn and push his ears around. So those ears on his head are his actual ears just with little servo pieces 
directly behind them, like puppeting them. Isn't that fun? That is fun. Very clever. Because you look at the shot and you're like, is that like a prosthetic head that yeah. just looks great? This, see, this, this is the going back to IMDb. This is the kind of trivia IMDb has. Uh, Jack Nicholson is allergic to spirit gum and Rick Baker <laughs> didn't believe him. But one day Rick Baker accidentally put spirit gum on Jack Nicholson and he developed a rash. And Jack yeah. Nicholson came to him and said, Bobby boy or Ricky boy, did yeah. you did you use spirit gum on me? And he was like, yeah, on, on accident. And he's like, well, let's hope it doesn't happen again. Yeah. And it's like cool story. Like that. It's just like, what are these? He tells that story in the documentary. Really? Who does? Jack Nicholson? Rick Baker. Oh, Rick yeah. Baker. Um, yeah, f- fine. But it's like, as just like a little blurb on IMDb, it's yeah, just, it's, it's such like, a no. weird detail. <laughs> yeah. Rick Baker was called in late. They had done a previous makeup test with Jack Nicholson before Rick Baker was brought on. That was really heavy. Like they really wolfed him out and they, everybody was like, Jack doesn't like this. Mike Nichols doesn't like this. Rick Baker knew that. And so he was like, well, Jack Nicholson kind of already looks like a wolf. So why don't we just make it like no prosthetics? It'll all just be applying hair to his already wolf-like face. We'll just slowly transition where his like, you know, sideburns get a little thicker and his hairline gets thicker. And like, we just keep attaching more and we can like build it out that way. But he was like, I don't want to start this movie without having doing a makeup test on Jack Nicholson. So he convinced them to to let him do a makeup test at Jack Nicholson's house. And when he got to Jack Nicholson's house, Jack Nicholson came downstairs in a robe and he said, Ricky boy, the way I see it is this is the first werewolf movie without any makeup. <laughs> and Rick Baker was like, ah, yeah, no, <laughs> <laughs> that would piss me off so much. Yeah. He's like, I'm the makeup guy. And he literally was like, do you know who I am? That's like John C. McGinley telling us that Stan doesn't wear shoes. (laughs) Yep. I mean, we had almost this exact situation. I don't know. We'll we'll save that for the Patreon. Sign up for the Patreon. Maybe we'll hear us dish on some stuff behind the paywall. Uh, But Rick Baker did say that James Spader was a dream to work with. Jack goes home and he smells Spader on his wife's robe. And so he goes running to Spader's house. Runs like a wolf here. It, though his run makes me cackle. He like keeps his arms at his like it's like arms and legs running at the same. Yeah, I think how, if like I there's was, no swinging to it. It's ridiculous. If I was given notes, I would say maybe he doesn't have to quite run that way this early <laughs> in the movie. <laughs> it's also like not very wolf like necessarily, but it's fucking funny. It would have just been but cool to see him run fast, like yeah, normal but yeah. fast. Yeah. He's like not moving his arms and like a little hunched over, I guess. Like it almost looks more like Bigfoot. Yeah. It's yeah. like the way the Sasquatch runs. Yeah. And then he goes to work and he's ready to fucking battle. So good. Has the worm turned, Will? The worm is turned and he's now packing an Uzi, Mary. About time. He confronts Spader. What do you want me to do? I'll do it. Resign today. Promise never to see Charlotte again. Just tell me what to do. I want you to resign today. Well, I can't do that. So why did I say it? I guess it's just a whips of telling you how bad I feel about being such such a shit. 
I love you, Will. I know how that sounds, but I do. And I know how much I've hurt you, and it kills me. You'll never forgive me, will you? No. Okay. But still, I'd, uh, I'd like your permission to ask Alden to forget about the Eastern European thing and keep you on as senior editorial consultant. Will you let me do that for you? I'm gonna get you, Stuart. He's so fucking good in this. Like every this is Spader's scene. I think he I think he fucking outruns Jack Nicholson in this movie. Oh, he's de- I mean, he's a great antagonist. He's so Bob Turton in this scene. He's got BTE, big Turton energy. Big Always in everything. But this specific it's like I couldn't not see Bob. He decides not to take the Eastern Europe job and instead create a competing company where he's gonna basically take all his clients. This is when David Hyde Pierce is like, You're my god. They're all, I love that they're all so fucking into it. They're just like, yes, let's take this shit down. He ends up going to see Michelle Pfeiffer. He basically tells her that he's been bitten by a werewolf and that he's like kind of nervous about it. She takes it pretty well, doesn't really understand him. The weirdest part about this movie, definitely by far, is this relationship because very quickly we're supposed to think they're in love. And I'm like, I don't see when the love happens. No, it doesn't. Yeah. So then we get our first werewolf sequence. Very dreamy. He hops out of a window and starts chasing a deer. I thought it was a dream. It's all in slow motion. Yeah, I thought it was interesting. I've never thought it was a dream, but Corey straight up said, is this a dream when the scene was happening? And I read that when they did test screenings of this movie, audiences consistently thought every sequence with the werewolf was dream sequence. And so they were confused. They were like, is he really a werewolf or was it all a dream? I think, well, that's a lot of the, the slow motion. The slow-mo, 100%. Yeah, it's certainly why. the way it's shot and the music and everything. I think that's the, the whole point. Imagine what your experience would be. Mm. You wouldn't remember it as anything but a dream. And so True. you wake up confused, not really knowing what I happened. I like that. Yeah. I like that. But I think the details of the movie show that like it's really happening. But people were leaving the theaters being like, I was never clear. <laughs> People also laughed a lot at the leaps. Like anytime Jack Nicholson jumped, yeah. apparently they laughed yes, a lot. I understand. <laughs> I like it though. It's It feels, I, it. I think it's fun. It's just cool to see stuntmen on wires. That's, like, I think, I think that is what I'm finding cool is because now, like, whenever you see something like that, it's just obviously CG. And so to see like a practical version of it, even though it is a little silly, it's like, yeah. it keeps my attention. I'm like, oh, this is weird and fun. I was thinking that about the makeup too, since the whole idea was like, we're going to start the makeup with making him look and appear younger and and more virile. And I was thinking, if they had that idea today, they would be using... De-ager. De-aging yeah. and it would look like fucking shit. Yeah. But it actually looks totally great in this movie. You don't think about it very much. You just sort of feel it. Mm-hmm. He scares Plummer into, into this new company that Christopher yeah, yeah, Plummer yeah. is like, fine, you can have your job back. And he's like, I'll only take the job back if you give me certain powers. And basically the powers are to fire fucking Spader. And get to do it himself. He goes to the bathroom. Spader's pissing. He, tell, he gives him the contract that he has and he's basically like, well... The better man won. I guess the better man won. You're fired, Stuart. So good. And he begs. He's like, just let me, just let me say I quit, please. Yeah. <laughs> let me yeah. say I quit. No. <laughs> Give me a week. Yeah. It is funny because the things that James Spader does almost is like overacting, but it 
it works so well. And I don't know if anybody else would be able to pull off that style of acting. And then he starts getting mad. He's like, this company is nothing without me. And then turns and pisses on his fucking suede shoes. Just marking my territory. And you got in the way. And he goes, these are suede shoes. And he goes, asparagus. (laughs) (laughs) That's a great line. (laughs) He ends up going and seeing an author of this book called Something Wild. Alm Puri plays him. That's all old age makeup. He was 42 when he shot this. Mm-hmm. Kind of like The Exorcist, it's some of the most impressive makeup in the movie. That it is looks really, yeah. pretty it looks real, real to me. Yeah. And he said that, Rick Baker said that um, Owen Purdy only had like two days in America to shoot the scene. So he had no time to get like a life cast of him made. So it's all done with like stippling and stretching just like on the day. That's really cool. Pretty good. Yeah, that stuff worked. Basically tells him, you've got this curse. Here's an amulet that can hold it back. Also, you want to bite me? Yeah, he's like, before you go, could I ask you a fucking favor? Bite me. Also, it made me mad. Jack Nicholson should have just bit Yeah, why it. do you think he said no? Because it's weird to bite somebody. <laughs> it's like a bug chaser. I, you would be like, I don't want to do that. Feels weird. Yeah, but it's like gives you all gives you superpowers. Yeah, for a bit like, you'd rather be damned. He's than writing, dead, a, but you get he's writing a book about it. He wants to know more about uh-huh. it. It's educational. It's not going to kill. And him. he's dying no matter what. He's dying no matter what. He's been told he's going to die. So he's like, let me try out this crazy. Let me feel amazing. Yeah, for the we last get month it. Of my we life. understand as an audience like that. There, it would be a pretty amazing. If experience. I'm going to die either yeah. way, let me go. It's like well, I, I'm literally I like when I'm 85, I want to try meth like i want to feel the thing i think it's totally realistic that you would say no one biting so, somebody it, is fucking sure, weird it thing is realistic but, how but you, i'm just so saying even just asking you to bite me in general yes, is we're weird. talking too much no about empathy, realism though, in this you're, episode you're choosing who cares the so yeah. hard how can you not have empathy for what he's asking for we're not oh i do we're not completely not do. saying i just understand why jack to, nicholson wouldn't do it. he 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 doesn't have to say yes but it is a very reasonable request Bite oh, me, I gr- let I agree. me experience this thing. Give me the gift. I agree. Why not? But why not? If I was in Jack Nicholson's position, I'd be like, "What if I bite this guy? He turns into a werewolf and murders people, and then I'm on the I fucking the hook po- for it because I did the bite." Is, no, I think the point is the that police Jack could trace Nich- this back to me. No, my God, they we're could. Going, we're, he doesn't. We're know. two in the weeds. Jack Nicholson. I think the only reason he doesn't do it is because he doesn't believe that he's a werewolf, and that's what the guy that's says true. too. He's like. Well, when you do believe, will you come back and give me a bite? That's like how the he scene does? is. Yes, that's how the end. He's like, once you do believe, please remember Dude, me and come back. That would have been back. an awesome post-credit sequence. The oh my door, god! Yeah, the, he, he he's goes in his back. he's in his apartment. He's cooking food. The door, the there's a knock on the door. He puts it down. He, slowly he opens walks the door. Over. It's Jack yeah. Nicholson, and it ends. That would be that would have been fucking no. sick. But it, when it turn, when it reveals Jack Nicholson is on his hands and knees on the ground, and it goes, I've been really trying. No. Wait, because unfortunately, <laughs> you did just ruin it. <laughs> it unfortunately, it was really cool. The, the credits were really cool, and now I'm rethinking all of it and scratch the whole idea. Actually, <laughs> another good sequence where he he slips out at night and goes and has a zoo day where he um, confronts these group of guys who ask him for money. Hey, wait mm-hmm. up. We got any money. Well, we want to borrow some money. Hey, yo, don't you want to loan us some money? All of you. Yeah, yeah we all need some money. Well, I've got about $1,000 in my wallet. Uh, how much would you like to borrow? $5, 10 
Cut the bullshit and give me the what? Do you like the little like smash zoom effects for the for the for the biting stuff? Not it. What do you think? Take a guess. <laughs> I I think it's a, a dated choice. I also do like kind of like it. Oh, man, you you're making this hard. I don't know what to say. I just don't it don't think it works. It doesn't work as like a whoa. I think you just have a childhood nostalgia love. I do. Love I do. And I'm not movie. even going to deny that. I'm not even going to deny that. I think they used be, it in the like, promotional material. Are you can you what I'm trying to find out can you separate the nostalgia from the art? Can you recognize certain things yeah. being fun for you but also jarring to people who are not you. Yes. That's why I asked the question because I figured you would say, no, I think it's stupid. <laughs> yeah. It just, it's something about it is kind it of It really bumped me. me. Honestly, the way it felt in the moment, it felt like something that somebody did to a DVD 10 years later when they yeah. had access yeah. to m more technology. And just <laughs> like, like William, like a freaking adding shit into the exorcist yeah it just feels wrong and out of place and uh, it probably was a new technique at the yeah. time probably was something that the editor was like hey i did this thing on this other movie mm -hmm. over here and it worked kind of cool well it's what just what i was most excited about was the david schwimmer um cameo that's right mm -hmm. he almost gets arrested by two cops they put a pair of cuffs on one i of wonder if that's david schwimmer's first credit I don't know, it's a good Apparently, idea. that was the question. same year that he shot that like Friends was mm -hmm. about to come out. What? Yeah. Wow! So he wasn't he like little did he little know, did he know yeah, that he was going to truly become one of the most famous people ever. He got my cuffs, which is a good to remember because his cuffs do come back into play. He finds some severed fingers of one of those guys in his pocket. He realizes all this stuff ain't just a dream; it's real. He handcuffs himself to a radiator, which is what happens in the song that I made. All those to the sink. But basically, this is the moment where I feel like we could have gotten some of that stuff. Had they done the relationship better? Because she ends up coming in and finding him, and he has to kind of be like, this is real. I'm scared. You should be afraid of me. She's basically like, I'm not afraid of you. But she does it in this very cool girl kind of way. Like, you think that scares me? Whereas, like, if they had done the relationship stuff better, this could have been a really gut-wrenching moment of like, yeah. I don't want to leave you. You know, like, I don't, I love you too much. I don't want you to be alone in this. I, you know, it could have been this really good thing that they just don't do with it. Yeah. Instead, she's like, I learned a few things as a druggie. <laughs> it's so bad, man. It's so bad. The, her, yeah, her whole character is a fucking flop. Flop. Yeah. It's a true flop. But it's a testament to her star power that she's still watchable and like works as well as it does because she's just, yeah. captivate again and ju just like her like watching her uncuff the handcuffs pick the lock <sighs> terrible yeah. flirting with him telling him he's a good man when it's like all right what a <laughs> and then just to release him like what a missed opportunity like you said not not just for the romance but how fucking cool would it be if he to see him chained to that radiator uh -huh. and transform and then what happens? You know, that's a much more right. interesting question than she uncuffs him and they vaguely talk about how maybe he's just psychotic, like her brother. Oh, that's the other thing. Yeah, she's got a brother who like committed suicide. She's supposed to have this dark past. You never quite feel it. Cuffs his hands behind his back too before they do it. Not comfortable in my opinion. Cuff me to the bed. Yeah, cuff behind the Am back. Am I right? So it gives... <laughs> 
<laughs> All right, Gerald's You're right. game. You're right. You or hog cuff me to my own ankles or something. Hog oh cuff me? How you gonna fuck God, good God. Richard Jenkins comes in the next morning. The, literally an hour and 30 minutes into the two-hour movie, Richard Jenkins shows up. Changes the game, though, in my opinion, because mm-hmm. he's pretty fucking funny. He tells him that they're investigating the death of his wife. Oh, my God. My wife is dead. Yeah, we found her in the park. Oh, my God. Her throat is torn out. That's probably me. Because <laughs> he does sneak out that night howling at the moon. We see him go out and start howling at the moon. He gets all the other fucking wolves in the mm-hmm. city to howl at him, too. So we could assume that he did it. We know. We know he didn't. We know. We, we were told already. The man makes the wolf, and he's a good guy. Spader Raiders about to oh, come. Oh, but we, we, for, the term we forgot to mention we saw Jack Nicholson bite Spader at one point when he- Oh, yeah. When he confronts, yeah. when he finds out that his wife is- Yeah, yeah. big big plot point we left out. Yeah. So, <laughs> Gave so a chomp I think on at his this hand. point, then you kind of suspect it could be Spader. Yeah. yeah. And that's pretty funny, too, because when Spader then gives his police report, he's like, I was having an affair with his wife. And he bit me and threatened to kill me. And it's like all signs point to he probably did kill his wife. Yeah. It's pretty good. It's great. Pretty good. Jenkins is fucking funny too because he's a bit of a doofus. He's so funny. He's always kind of got this dumbfounded look on his face. It's revealed later too that he drinks on the job. Michelle Pfeiffer ends up taking Jack Nicholson to her guest house. Her guest house, by the way, completely on a stage. Hmm. Everything, even like when you see back in the background, like that deep, the other house in the background, that's all like a facade. Mm. They're even like walking horses out there. That's cool. All done on a stage. He tells her he loves her in kind of an awkward, I've never loved anybody this way. Never looked at a woman and thought, if civilization fails, if the world ends, I'll still understand what God meant as long as I'm with you. It's a good line, but it's also like, what? It's so yeah. weird. This threw me. I was like, when? They've known each other for th- three days. This is their intense. first time having this sex. This isn't Romeo and Juliet. These aren't like children who fall in love this no. quickly. These are grown ass yeah. adults. This he, is he weird. He looks like he's 75 years old. <laughs> <laughs> now, I will say times were different. Jack Nicholson was a was still a sex symbol. No, and I, I think sex, Jack Nicholson as a sex symbol at this era for sure. I don't think the age gap not- between them was that weird of a thing. Mm, uh, maybe well especially at this time no because people were doing crazy age gaps like this too and in the movie something's gotta give jack nicholson's hooking up with amanda pete and it works that's neither here nor there it's the fact that they have been we haven't seen yes. them say anything romantic to They're each other delivering at all on the romance she's not said one romantic thing to him yeah he's close to 60 in this movie She's probably he was, 40s. He was born in 40s? No way she's, she's in her, her 40s, 40s in this movie. Maybe. She's got to be in her Let's see. maybe 35 at the most. Born 58, 68, 78, 88, 90, 8, 40, 36. Oh, she was 36? Mm-hmm. Wow, just the same age as somebody mm-hmm. else on the Zoom. Mm-hmm. You're in your Pfeiffer era. Yeah. Oh, actually, I'm in my Pfeiffer era now, too, because this plays in October. And I'm in my Wolf era. You're not 60. But I love Wolf. (laughs) Okay, keep it going. I've got the wolf in me. I got the wolf in me. Every time he bites me, can't you see? (laughs) I don't know. I don't find Nicholson sexy at 
all in this movie. I do. You're looking at it in hindsight, though. You weren't there. For, you weren't. You're not thinking about the the. I the find era him sexy, and was... something's got to give when he literally is in his seventies. I'm like, I get it. Nicholson was hot back oh then. My God, he was a celebrity. He was a real star. Yeah, I don't doubt his star power. I'm just looking at at the ball of clay in front of me, and I'm just not <laughs> getting it. Oh my he doesn't God. look like a ball of clay in the movie. <laughs> yeah, it looks like a ball of clay with a suit on it. <laughs> I think oh, he does look a hater. In the, like in that zoo scene when he turns around and says, I got a thousand dollars in my pocket, he looks cool. He looks cool. He's got, one flew over he's the got like the nest. Wolverine. He kind of looks like Cuckoo's Nest era himself. Cuckoo's in Nest is a little hot. bit more of a beard. Wolf is not. Wolf is like <laughs> ugh, like he's probably one year away from wearing diapers. <laughs> no. <laughs> Many years away. Justin. He was I'm for crap- sure making us watch something's gotta give on a Patreon. Until he got bit by a wolf. He crapped his pants in the car ride over from Vermont. Justin, have you ever seen Something's Gotta Give? A long time ago. Wait, that's gonna be it. That's gonna be a Corey's pick Patreon, and I'm gonna make you fall in love with old Jack once again. Uh, I'm in as good as it I gets. I dare guy. you. I dare you to make me fall in love with old with Jack Nicholson. Oh, there's no doubt in my mind. Him and Diane Keaton, you're going to lose it. Um, 2003. He's old. I'm telling yeah, you, he, he, you he's ain't with seen a, woman, a, a A woman more appropriate for... Yes, yeah, yes. That, so that you're going to love him in this yeah. movie. But yeah. he's putting something on in this movie that just doesn't work. It does, he, well, at the beginning of Something's Gotta Give, he's having sex with Amanda Peet. Oh, stop. Yes. What? He's got it going on. I could give you a whole synopsis of something he's got to give right now. <laughs> he's not your type, just like Michelle Pfeiffer's not your type. Spader's your type. Spader's you know you're my into type. the Spader. 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 And I think Spader looks sexy, too, in his werewolf makeup. Those, <laughs> those contact lenses do it for me for him. And that little bit of extra fur they put on, like the back of his head and stuff, adds something cool. Mm. To his to his vibe. I'm, Do you, don't you think like the hairy spader? That makeup feels distracting to me. Spader's makeup does. Interesting. I think it's. I guess cool. it's just because his eyes are. Uh, the eyes are shocking. Shocking the whole scene. Why can't it just change at like a pivotal moment in the scene uh-huh. with Michelle Pfeiffer? Why does he have to look so insane the whole scene? <laughs> He's so obviously. I wouldn't trade it for the world. He's awesome looking with those contact lenses. And like he makes him look so fucking creepy. It does make him look so creepy. But I do see what Justin's saying because it does make me like the whole time I'm like, you just know, like there's no like hiding that he is a werewolf. It's like Michelle Pfeiffer, it it takes her a little too long to realize it. Yeah. She doesn't realize it until the bite in the hand. bed too soon. Like give us a second to just be in this scene. And have him be a little bit acting different and creepy, and, and then she's suddenly trying to figure see out the what's golden going eye. on, and then he like gets more upset. Or well, she doesn't know him, so like she wouldn't think anything of his eyes. Come That's on, true. I Jack. guess they it haven't looks met like a before. Halloween but the- costume. <laughs> it's awesome. It's a movie. He, he stands looks great. out among everyone in that space. I think he does look great. I do like the look, but I would. I did think like they are showing their hand a little. Like I kind of wish it would have been normalized, and then it's like maybe when he starts talking about Jack Nicholson or something, we see the glimmer of the we gold. Don't need to, we know he's going to turn into a werewolf. Yeah, I'm just saying. He's been bitten. 
It's just too spoil. It's it, it's not even just about the. Spo- it's the reveal when you see him with those eyes. You go, oh shit, he's about, he's werewolf mode now. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. no one asks him why do your eyes look like that. It's <laughs> so wouldn't. jarring. It's uh, just admit that it's like <laughs> jarring. I, I can admit that it's jarring, but I also think it's awesome. It makes the scene so fun to me. He looks like such but a scary fun, person. Fun in a way that is not real or believable. Fun in a way that feels like you're at a Halloween party. Speaking of, that is going to be my Halloween costume this year. Spader. That, grace, with, that Spader gray sweater with the yellow contact lenses in, with the l- little bit of extra hair on the neck. Great. I bet you'll nail it, pull it off, and look as good, or if not better, than Spader. Yeah. <laughs> but I, my argument is that it looks great, so why not do it? Like, yeah, we're, we know we're watching a movie here. We know it's, a, it's the sure. werewolf stuff going on. I think on. saying it looks great is a little bit of a stretch. If you took the eyeballs out, to me, the scene loses something. I like that he has the eyeballs sure, in the scene because sure. it's like you're looking at a monster. They don't know he's a monster. I like it. Agree to disagree. It's, it's fun. Agree to disagree. Um, the best part of the scene, well, James Spader is obviously, anytime he's on the screen, he's the best part of the scene, but this is when old Jenkins really shines. I'm dreaming about a, yeah. a threesome with Plummer and Jenkins. <laughs> Plummer, speaking of old guys who are sexy... He is, and he even is in this movie. Yeah. I'm like, damn, he's hot. He's sexier than Nicholson. For sure. Did you notice um, Janie? Yeah. Allison Janie? Yeah, for like a, for like a second. Yeah. I was kind of odd, but I guess maybe back then maybe she was not the- too. She may not have been the Janie that, you know, I don't remember when she blew up, but maybe she just, you know. Yeah, I don't think know. she was. Struggling okay, to get a part in anything. Where are we in the movie right now? She decides to lock him in the barn with his amulet. Spader follows him. Good moment when he pulls up on the guard. I love the guard. I love the guy who plays the guard. And when Spader's like, I'm trying to fuck her or whatever weird thing he says. And the guard's like, back up. He goes, what's your business with Mrs. Alden? And he goes, my business is pleasure, George. Does she not look like the fuck of the decade to you? Oh, what a creepy line. He's like, hey, you get out of here. Get back. He backs up the car, shifts it into gear and steps on the gas and creams him through the gate. And that shot looked good. It did. Mm-hmm. And then when the car runs over him too, I thought I was like, oh, that's a little was a close cool up close on Spader. Up. Yeah, just like as he <laughs> running over the body. Mm-hmm. He looks fucking cool. He's a cool werewolf to me. <laughs> it's very subtle at, t- at first too. Before they start throwing the prosthetics on, he just looks cool with his little sideburns and stuff. His eyes are just a little prettier than normal, a little yellower. He's like goading you right I'm now. Not, yeah, I'm so. not responding. <laughs> 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 not taking the bait. Uh, okay, so now legitimate, genuine, genuine. This fight scene. I like this fight scene. I legitimately think this fight scene is awesome. I think it's really fun. I think the effects are awesome. I think the slow motion is awesome. I think the music is awesome. What do you think? Those shots, Justin. And wait, and also Jack Nicholson trying to break out of the cage. It's so funny when he can't. And then when he rips his little necklace yeah, off. Yeah, basically, <laughs> James Spader starts trying to rape Michelle, Michelle Pfeiffer. Pfeiffer in the barn in front of Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson's got the amulet on, so it's preventing him from becoming Wolf. He rips it off his neck. He throws it. He becomes Wolf. He jumps over the gate, and then they get into a basically a wolf-on-wolf cage match. Okay, and Justin, go. Thoughts? Yeah, I think it's fun. I, I um, This is what I'm looking for instead of that weird mm-hmm. flash-cutty yes. yes. thing. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, like when, when you see remnants of the 
glimpses of the puppets or the animatronic or the whatever. The puppets are awesome. It's awesome. They're like biting each other yeah. in the neck and mm-hmm. stuff. Those look awesome. Those look really cool. Um, and I love seeing all these stuntmen just get an air cannon through the air. Yeah, like the one <laughs> shot that stands out in particular is him th- chucking James Spader into stairs. Yes. And the stuntman's <laughs> back crashes into the edge of a stair. He flies mm-hmm. off the stairs. And apparently that stunt, if, I don't know if this is true, but that stunt double. It's in the documentary. Was not wearing protective gear at all. <gasps> Oh well, it's, oh so Rick Baker tells the story in the in the documentary. His uh, the stuntman's name was Keith Campbell. Keith Campbell. He said that it was amazing to watch him just fly all over the place because they weren't using wires. They would literally just put them on these air cannon things and just launch him into the air. And so he said he was That's watching. Wild. They put um, a thin layer of protective like fabric on the stairs, like a little bit of a cushion on the stairs. And he did have like cushions in his shirt, but obviously not on his head or anything. They launch him into the stairs and he cracked the stairs so hard. You can see it in the movie. He gets knocked out. Like he hits his head on the stairs and knocks himself out. And in the movie, you can just see him completely go limp. He looks like a rag doll hitting the stairs. And it's in super, it's like 120 frames per second. It's super slow motion. Looks amazing. And then Rick Baker said that they all rushed over and he was like gurgling on the ground. And they were like, you got to get this mask off of him. And he was like, I, it's, it doesn't just come off. Like it would take me an hour to get this mask off of him. And so they had to like basically revive him with like his werewolf makeup. <laughs> and, shit. Um, and he turned out fine and he's still stunting to this day. He did stunts on the Fablemans. He did wow. stunts for everything back then. Keith Campbell, you're a fucking rock star. And he did all of them. Like, I think he was like basically the yeah. one of two guy, stunt guys. I mean, he shouldn't have uh, to go through that. Like, it's on, But it's on him. He did it. It's like his set. He's the one who set up all this. It's not like anybody else's choice to how he performs the stunt. The- I know, but it's, it's, it's risky. You don't want to... Yeah, that's When you hit that's your head risk and of- you black out, you're going to have... There's going to be oh. long-term consequences. <laughs> That is the risk of being a stunt person. You're risking, you know, you're always, and people should know that, like, it is life-threatening work to be a stunt person. They they sign up for that. Some people do die. It could have killed them. But hey, we love it, and he, they got a good-ass shot of it. Can you imagine if the cameraman was like, I missed it. <laughs> I saw a bird, hummingbird in the tree. <laughs> that would suck. That shot where um, Jack Nicholson hops over the the cage, the horse cage. Million dollars? $700,000 shot. Damn. Wow. This whole scene was reshot like three or four different times because they couldn't get it right, which is why I think the scene works well because they went back and put more time into it. I'm sure they didn't get it right at the zoo stuff and they were like, ah, fix it in post. Just do the zoomy thing on it. But here, they actually went back and did it. The studio was like, this fight stuff ain't working, so they kept sending them back. Mm. Yeah, Rick Baker said that that shot cost $700,000. That's crazy. Spader eventually grabs a pair of garden shears, flies through the air to stab Jack Nicholson in his back. Shell Pfeiffer picks up George's gun. Blasts him. And I love every time she shoots him, James Spader goes, And I like that the whole scene is in slow motion. Again, it feels dreamy, but in like a really cool ass mm-hmm. way. It's like you I don't like see a full this. slow motion fight scene very often. 
would have been a little bit cooler to me had a gun not been used. It just feels like a cop out. You shoot, you shoot a person attacking you, but a werewolf. Like let's let's get Jack Nicholson. But isn't the whole thing with with werewolf silver bullets? Not in this movie. Oh. Yeah, it just feels lame. Like she just kills him with a regular gun. Yeah, missed opportunity to have a cool special effect. That's all. Yeah, yeah. She could have grabbed that pitchfork and like ran underneath them real quick, and then like yeah, that would have been cool. Actually, shimmied herself in a way where he would land right on it, and then he lands on it, and she goes, "Good boy," and then throws him off to the side. Maybe there's a better dog pun. There's got to be a better dog pun. (laughs) Bad boy would be okay. Yeah, bad. That's a good one. Bad boy. (laughs) Go fetch is pretty good too. Oh no, here, here it is. Play dead. Yeah. Bitch. That's good. That's the one. Play dead, bitch. Dude, we're Michelle making this... suddenly has so Dude, much we strength. we could have made this movie so much better. We you hear that Wesley Strick? We're Wolf. punching up your script. Uh, and then I like that he, he falls face down into the, like the, the pond, the fountain. And then there's a nice little, what I think is a little callback to the original Wolfman with Lon Chaney Jr., where it pans over to his hand and it's all furry and wolfy, and then it cross dissolves back into a human hand. I like that. Jack runs into the woods, ripping his clothes off. The police come, Jenkins comes, Pfeiffer comes strolling out, dressed in all black, looking with suddenly tons of mascara or eyeliner. She's and done her blush makeup, on. blown her hair out. They put so much makeup on her, which I mean, I guess because like she's caked on, maybe a little now, caked on. That I'm like, oh, it's kind of taking a little bit away from her beauty. I can see that. I kind of just like the outfit, the all black. Yeah, I mean, kind of got the hip She's a thing babe, but still, but she's acting like she says, "I don't know what happened. I was just in the shower." They think that George the guard killed Spader. She has one last line to Jenkins. She says, "Let me know if you want a drink, detective. Another vodka tonic." And he goes, "Another, no thanks." And then he goes over to his cop and he goes, "How does she know we've been drinking tonight?" Because <laughs> <laughs> smell it. Smell it a mile away. And then it cuts to Plummer and he's just like, <laughs> and it's strange to me. She turns around and we see her eyes are that wolfy yellow, cool little cross dissolve. As we're speeding through the woods, we see a nice close up of an animatronic wolf with a really sweet face. Looks like a good guy to me, a good little puppy dog. Howls at the moon. Cross back dissolves into Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes. So your interpretation is that that Michelle Pfeiffer turns into that wolf right then and there? No, my interpretation... Is that what you were implying? My interpretation is that she's always been a werewolf, that her brother is a werewolf and her brother is still alive, and that there is... Interesting! There is a... That chills, maybe, you give me chills. The movie doesn't say, but you could interpret that maybe her brother was the one who bit him. Or uh, maybe Michelle Pfeiffer bit him, and that's what drew Jack Nicholson to her in the first place. Just, yes, and I love it. To sort of, cur- I love this interpretation. Um, but yeah, it's like I'm adding extra stuff that, like, maybe she is like the watch person for this clan. That she, everything she does, all the the plane, all the sort of her job. When he says, "What's your job?" and she says, "Why do you mm-hmm. care what my job is?" Her job is protecting this I love society. it. Because if, if he'd asked her one more time, she would have been like, werewolf, oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> I always do that. 
Um, but yeah, I think she's a wolf herself. She always has been. I know that there's some theories online that maybe she could have turned into a werewolf after they had sex. But I just think we watched a big, long movie of a man slowly becoming a werewolf and coming to terms with all that. I don't think she would be smiling if she turned into a werewolf from like sex. She would still be sort of confused and figuring it out. The fact that she has that look on her face, she's like walking with mm. complete confidence and well, control. I mean, it does say, you know, it does imply that when you get the werewolf in you, you feel fucking good. I know. So she might just be riding high. But it's, she might just be like, I'm feeling good today. I think this is a much more interesting interpretation than I've heard. So I like it and I'm going to go well, with it. If you go by what Ampuri says, which is what my where my interpretation comes from, I took him at face value that when the wolf consumes you, it's all consuming forever. So my interpretation is that Jack Nicholson goes full wolf, wolf in this full moon and is never going to become man again. He's going to stay wolfy for But the why of his would life. she be smiling then? Because she feels good as hell. Now the the she just lost the love, but of her that life. didn't happen. It, but that she's wasn't gonna... ever Jack Nicholson was feeling good, but he's not. He's it's it's a process, slow process of discovery. I don't buy that she would that quickly just get it, understand it, feel good, no confusion, no questions. Sure. She's just on board with the vibe, with the feeling that she has. Because she's just seen something horrific. That's including true. Including the that's, love of her life. That's, run to the woods. This is true. Um, this is but true. yeah, she has that And line. he does imply in... Go ahead. He does imply too that you can get the the wolf in other ways. You don't have to be bitten by it. It's kind of... It could be... Some people can have it through passion, mm-hmm. which you could interpret as sex yeah. too. Um, so that was always my interpretation is that she got it through passion. He got it through bite. She got it through passion. And that she will soon join him mm-hmm. when she goes full werewolf, which will probably be in a month. Yeah. From now. I mean, I would expand my theory to even say that she never actually loved him. That she was, oh, because she's a wolf and maybe even because someone she knows or her brother bit him, she's doing damage control. She's making stir like that she wraps him around her fingers so she keeps him in check <laughs> because you don't want to spoil the whole mm. like wolf the wolf thing you know um wolf or, or she's just wrangling him wrangling him and maybe eventually she wolf mother um but there's that line she has when she's talking about her brother where she describes that he had borderline personality disorder and then yeah, 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 it eventually yeah. it wasn't borderline and so the implication is like he's going through changes maybe those changes weren't just like a mental illness mm. um maybe it was experiencing going and becoming a wolf and uh he didn't actually kill himself but he had to sort of hide go full wolf wolf. right i love it and that makes the movie even more interesting i think there is only one thing that kind of bumps your theory maybe just and my suggestion would be to just edit that out of the podcast don't say it The only thing is that the horsies don't like Jack Nicholson because he's a wolf, mm-hmm. but they do like. Michelle but she's Piper. the queen wolf. I'm not saying it completely bumps your theory. I'm just saying it's one little roadblock that yeah. it popped in there just now. Maybe. But I do like your theory a lot, and I'll say one thing is for sure: they, Mike Nichols, Wesley Strick, Jack Nicholson, they, have no clue. they don't fuck. They don't fucking. <laughs> yeah. know. They had five different endings for this movie. I could only wow, find they shot five. No, they all they wrote five. Oh. The only one that Wesley Strick gave any sort of more details on, which is the one the ending that they almost went with over this one, 
which was the ending in which Jack Nicholson does turn into a full-blown werewolf. He's that way forever. Michelle Pfeiffer then puts him on his own little island property, and she goes and visits him by helicopter as like a little pet dog. Horrible. Yeah, that would have sucked ass. Our ending where he visits um, Puri and gets down on his hands and knees and mm-hmm. sucks the wolf. I've been really trying. <laughs> sucks the wolf into baby. him. <laughs> Blows the wolf into him <laughs> with passion. <laughs> no, but think about it. Seriously, think about it. The credits roll mm-hmm. and you just see him in his kitchen and the door knocks and Jack Nicholson's there. And maybe he, he doesn't say anything or maybe there's like one one more line or Om Paris says like, um, I knew you'd come or I knew you'd be back or something mm-hmm. like, thank you. I don't know. It just would be give you chills. You don't get to see the bite because the bite would be cheesy to see. It would look sure, really stupid. Sure. But you know, like oh, he came back to, and he, he believes in the wolf thing now and he understands why he wants it and he's going to get what do if- him this favor. What if so that it kind of goes with my interpretation of the movie too? He's cooking macaroni and cheese. Mm-hmm. You know, he's got the radio playing, <laughs> and the and the, the he hears the door open and he steps out into the hallway. And rather than Jack Nicholson standing there, it's a wolf standing in the hallway. Mm. Mm-hmm. But he's wearing Joker makeup, so we know Come that's on. Jack Nicholson. <laughs> No, he's wearing sunglasses, Jack Nicholson's sunglasses from Something's Gotta Give. He's got his classic Lakers courtside Mm. seat sunglasses on. Uh And we know it's Jack Nicholson. Uh Does that work as well? I like it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, that works. That works. What what is the poster? What is the poster for Wolf was Jack Nicholson? The it's the poster where Jack Nicholson's face is prominent in the back and Michelle Pfeiffer is like tilted and she's looking up mm-hmm. but it was on Paris's face and he was just like <laughs> please bite me <laughs> and this movie ends on an extreme close up of Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes very reminiscent of Cape Fear mm, yeah. <laughs> you just like to make that sound <laughs> well let's take one more break and when we come back We'll talk final thoughts on 1994's Wolf. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed, and we are talking- Welcome back. Sorry. I Ma'am? Just, I just wanted to try to make my voice sound like- Do it. You do it this time. Welcome back to Cinema Possessed. And we are talking final thoughts on 1994's Wolf, starring Jack Nicholson, Michelle Pfeiffer, James Spader, 
and Richard Jenkins. Uh, go ahead and throw Christopher Plummer in there too. Why not Allison Janney? Why not David Hyde Pierce? Throw the whole cast in. Let's just say it stars all of them. Mm. They each have a star-making performance. Justin, Some might say. I'm starting with you, my wolfy man. Wolfman Justin, giving us his final thoughts on wolf. I don't know. Um, I don't know what to say. I mean, I feel like I'm going to disappoint you. I, I <laughs> You've don't, made your opinions clear already. I don't already. think I hate the movie. I definitely don't love the movie. I would wager I may not even particularly <laughs> like the movie as a whole, although there are so many... Th- I tried to bring up as many things in the movie that I genuinely did like and appreciate. Yeah. Um, Do you find it uncaptivating? Like, obviously you judge certain things about it for not mm -hmm. being super successful, Mm -hmm. but do you find the movie to be boring or do you still find it to be like engaging? I think it flops a little bit for me. And I think, I think it's because I'm putting a lot of weight, a lot of stock in the character relationships and I'm just not, it, all of the other stuff that excites you excites me in a vacuum, but as a whole experience, I'm left empty-handed. I don't feel like it's a world I really want to return to because I can't tolerate another viewing of dialogue between Jack Nicholson and Michelle Pfeiffer. If I could edit my own version of this movie where she's not in the film and it's just J- James Spader versus Workplace Jack Nicholson, drama. I mm-hmm. think that that would be fun. I would be on board with that. But because they're trying to push a love story on me and a lot mm-hmm. of the movie hinges on that, I think it's a flop. And so the wolf aspects of it are also hit and miss for me. There's a lot of stuff that works really well. I think they're being playful and inventive in many ways. However, I do need a little bit of that Rick Baker, American Werewolf in London, Oscar winning makeup effects. And I'm just not getting it. I mean, part of the American Werewolf in London drops the ball on the romance, too, in a lot of ways. But you True. have the bromance between him and Griffin Dunn, which True. is mm-hmm. pretty damn good. And then you but have- it's kind of like the Spader, you know, mm-hmm. the Spader battle in this. It's not a bromance, but it's mm-hmm. it's a still an yeah. interesting. Dynamic. And I was I would always remember being disappointed by him being uh, shot and killed by cops at the end of that movie. Yeah, um, but it works. I accept it, and I think the movie as a whole is pretty spectacular. And that movie does a great job with tone. Like it just mm-hmm. from the very first setting of the the uh, slaughtered lamb and the the locations are dreamlike and the gore and the violence in that movie to me is necessary to create that sense of dread. And Um, you're never laughing at it. You're never laughing at it. It never gets goofy. Never gets goofy. Yeah. There's some goofy stuff in this. And I think they're, maybe they're dealing with budgetary concerns. They're obviously not dealing with a talent issue. Rick Baker has it in spades. And like you said, he's done this before. So why is it not as good? To me, I don't know. I think maybe he just wasn't given the time, the resources, the money, he had like two said, weeks. Things were two weeks immense. of prep. Yeah, two weeks. He's fucked, and ja- and he's dealing with Jack <laughs> Nicholson, who's coming down with a robe, telling him uh, he envisions no this makeup. Movie without makeup. <laughs> so no wonder it's all over the place. But yeah, I can't deny. I will never lie to you and de- and deny that I had a good time. <laughs> Don't you um, ever lie to me? But th- what this is about is revisiting things from the past and saying, do they hold up? Do we want to keep them in our collection? Will we revisit it again? And I think 
grateful for the opportunity to have rewatched it for the pod. Don't think I will rewatch it again. Sure, sure, sure. Corey, how about you? I don't disagree with a lot of the stuff that Justin said, but I do think that it it wins me over more. I think the performances are so fun to me that I never get I never got bored in it. Um, I agree. The Michelle Pfeiffer relationship really is the only thing that really bumps me in this movie. But I do find Jack Nicholson so charming and James Spader. So anytime they're on screen, I'm like fully brought back in and the kind of the pacing of this movie works for me. So I I would say see it if you haven't seen it. I I had a fun time. And I think in a couple years, you could ask me if I want to watch Wolf again. And I would say yes. Yeah. I definitely have deep nostalgia for this movie. And that colors my opinion on it. But uh, I completely acknowledge its flaws and why people would, would not think of it the same way. To me, it's like a fun uncle. <laughs> To come back to, I do get excited to come back to it whenever uh, I come back to it, which isn't every year, every two years. I probably watch this. Actually, I do think we watch this here. In the How pandemic. many times but do you think you've actually seen the movie? Like, probably as, as if you could be as close as possible. I would be in realistic. I'm not yeah. the kind of person that over exaggerates. How many times I've seen a movie? I have probably seen this movie eight times. That this checks is out. My second time seeing it. Mm-hmm. And two of those being within the last couple of years and yeah. watched it frequently over my teenage years. I've always had an affection for this movie. Um, and it has inspired a lot of art out of me. Like mm-hmm. I, I think as much as I love American Werewolf in London, you and I have come up with multiple werewolf ideas. We do have an affinity for the werewolf genre and we want to try our hand at it. Mm-hmm. And this movie above all of them, you know, made me feel like I wanted to try my hand at it because it is being so quirky and weird with it, you know? And that's inspiring. You know, inspired music out of me and it's inspired tr- ideas yeah, out of me. You should go listen to that Mr. Bear song. Is it on Spotify? It is on Spotify, but I'll play it at the end of the episode. I'll I'll tack it on to the end. So stick around uh, after the episode's over if you want to listen to that song. song. Yeah, I I could see a lot of people out there, especially horror fans, being like, "Wow, Jack Nicholson in a werewolf movie? Fuck yeah!" Like I'm on board. I'm excited, and I so badly want to be that person. But um, it's a cool idea, and it's a cool premise, and I think it's something uh to get excited about when you're plopping in that VHS tape, but it it just <laughs> doesn't end up doing for me what I yeah. want it to do. I get that. But Spader, he Man. always delivers. He never, mm-hmm. ever lets me down. And that's the real pitch. Mm-hmm. It's a werewolf movie where Jack Nicholson faces off with James Spader, both as a werewolf. Like, that's the pitch to me. Mm-hmm. I love it. I'm going to keep this DVD. I'm going to probably get that Indicator Blu-ray because I love Indicator. I love them as a company. There's other special features on there that I'd want to watch. They have a bunch of interviews on there that I wasn't able to track down on porn websites. And so I think I'm going to get it. I just wouldn't be able to have gotten it in time for this episode. So I didn't even bother trying to buy it then. But um, We'll upgrade and give this on the, on the, on yeah, the Patreon. I'll upgrade and then I'll... Oh, 
this is a thing with physical media. I have such nostalgia for it that I almost don't even want to give it away. But what am Jack, I going to do? Hold on to this, this DVD. I, I we think, are passing it on to another. You're right. Another listener. Moving right. forward, I think a fun thing on this pod is like we, you and me, are scheduling these things out weeks in advance. Part of that should be find a way to get see if there is an upgrade. Yeah. If you know yeah. you love the movie this much, you should get it. Oh, I would have. Yeah, I would have had I had had I realized There's, it in time. And then, if if you're only holding on to it because of the nostalgia. No, and you right. have the new you're version. Right. There's no right. point. And and I got it from deep a, discount DVD. Exactly. It's like it's not like I found it. Let's in a spread this treasure chest somewhere. The, give a, these people a reason to subscribe <laughs> to our Patreon. Yeah. You can go get a. You can get this free DVD that you can probably right. only buy online. I'm gonna, I'm gonna for upgrade. I'm gonna upgrade to the indicator Blu-ray, and I'm gonna give away this DVD. It still looks great. It looks great. And if you want to flip it to the other side of the disc and watch the full screen version, you got that option there too. And maybe it'll expand and you'll see some of Jack Nicholson's butt crack uh, in one of these scenes. Mm. Kind of like Bridget Fonda. God forbid. <laughs> it's probably very hairy. Like you probably couldn't even see the crack. And, that, and Rick Baker was like, the camera, pans, <laughs> the camera pans over and Rick Baker goes, I didn't do that. <laughs> Seven <Wink>. reference. <laughs> that would um, be funny. Well, now that we've said everything there is to say about Jack Nicholson's <sighs> crack, <laughs> Jack Nicholson's ass crack. And since this is a canine based movie, what do you say we play? Cujo. <laughs> the canine quiz. <laughs> the canine quiz. All questions concern canines. So that could be wolves, dogs, mm, <laughs> coyotes, <laughs> dingoes, anything. Okay. Question number one. Family pet Max is intentionally mislabeled as Wolfie to expose a sinister intruder in this 1991 Justin. action classic. Terminator 2. <laughs> ding, ding, ding! Terminator 2, Judgment Day. Wolfie, hey, Wolfie's dead. Oh, your family's mattered. Hey, Janelle, how's Wolfie? Wolfie's fine, honey. Wolfie's just fine. At, uh, your step-parents are dead. At the, 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 school, the school I'm at now, it's called Yes Tomorrow, and the founder is John Connell. So Whoa. almost Whoa. every single day I do. <laughs> John Connell came back from the future into the past, <laughs> into yesterday to create tomorrow. And then he made yes tomorrow. And to all the 19-year-olds with, they look don't, at you just they like, like, what, what is this book? Yeah, they're like, doing? is it problematic what <laughs> you're doing right Definitely. now? <laughs> Canceled. <laughs> John Connell. Okay, points for Justin. Question number two. A vicious alien secretly invades a research compound by pretending to be Justin, an Alaskan Malamute. Oh, wait, no, I knew that one. Ding, ding, ding. Damn it. Two points for Justin. Oh, and he's, and he's, he's, he's dabbing. dabbing. He's dapping. Look out, folks. Dapping, dabbing. He's dabbing. <laughs> These 19 year olds are going to think he's real cool I'm now. Learning. I'm learning. <laughs> Okay, they're going to get maybe a little bit tougher for Oh, you. my God. Just give it to Jess. A group of stranded oil drillers must survive the icy cold 
while fending off a pack of wolves in this 2011 survival thriller. Oh, that movie with Liam Neeson. Uh, uh, um, oh, it's cold and it's snowy and it's it's called The Great. It's called Justin One the Word. Damn it. Ding ding ding. I feel like that was a duo. You you maybe should have tried to do that in your head because you probably gave him the hints. Well, I'm helping the audience. Too. <laughs> but we're I'm a team. We're a team. Yeah. Maybe. Okay. I'm happy to collect the points, but we're a team. You're you are a team, but Justin has three. Okay. Question number four. A red-haired teenage girl is bitten by a werewolf on the night of her first period and discovers her body will never be the same again in this 2000s Canadian horror film. Justin Ginger Snaps. Ding, ding, ding. Ginger Snaps. Four points for Justin. (laughs) Question number five. Uggy is the name of the Jack Russell Terrier who found worldwide acclaim for his performance in this award-winning 2011 silent film. Corey the Artist. Ding, ding, ding. Points on the board for Corey. I believe I still haven't seen it. I can believe it because believe it's not it. really worth mm. the scene. I got to be honest. Even at the time, I was like, this movie's one of the It was just like, kitsch, like, mm. like, kitschy's the wrong word. What was it? It was like, kitschy. It's kitschy. Yeah, I know, but. The reason, like, it won all the things is because it's like, oh, it's this is different. Kind of gimmicky, yeah. <laughs> yeah, gimmicky. Classic case of a of a Academy Award winner for Best Picture that literally nobody ever talks about, and that ha- that started the ye- the year it won. That's sad. That doesn't feel good. We end up watching it, and we're just like, this might be my favorite movie of all time, <laughs> and Uggy might be my favorite actor of all time. <laughs> I think Uggy might have passed away. I'm, yeah, I hate to 100%. bring it down. For, if the movie was in 2011, that would mean he'd be at least 14, if not 15, if not even if he older. Was one, if he was one, yeah, a yeah. baby, but they, he had to have at least a year of training to get that exactly. performance out. Okay, question number six. That genius performance. Five, sorry, four to one, Justin's lead. Question number six. Michael J. Fox voiced this. Per- Corey Homer Bound. <gasps> Can I get a full title though? Chance was his name. Can I get a full and title? And Homeward Bounding was his game. Homeward Bound. Back home again. <laughs> <laughs> the Great Adventure. Very close. I'll give it to you. The Incredible Journey. Incredible Journey. Very okay. close. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. It's four to two. Go back to action movies. (laughs) Justin has the lead. But this final question is worth nine points. Wolf points. (laughs) Canine points. Cool. Question number seven. Talking babies are replaced with talking dogs. Corey, look who's talking now. Corey wins the canine quiz. (laughs) Justin, are you doing anything for the spooky season there in Vermont? Are you decorating anything there? There's pumpkin carving. There's talks about doing a little haunted house here. Uh, Yeah. More horror movies for sure every night. Uh, you should be asking them if they have a wolf theme haunted house in in honor of ooh, the Vermont yeah. location. 
don't y'all know the opening scene of Wolf takes place here? You should <laughs> yeah. be putting this on the billboards, the I entrance agree. signs. Only if it was shot in Vermont. If it wasn't shot in Vermont, I don't think they would care. It might have been. I didn't actually look into that. Probably I think wasn't. The chances are slim. <laughs> <It> probably wasn't. <laughs> All those shots were probably fucking stock footage, anyways, because most of that s- scene is like rear projection footage of Jack Nicholson driving with his hands on the wheels, yeah. like turning them back and forth like a little kid. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, yeah, you should be telling them to do like name the streets Will Randall Street and mm-hmm. and um, James Spader Avenue. Asparagus Boulevard. Thousand dollars <laughs> circle. <laughs> Jesus. Falling asleep. It was shot in Vermont. Buell's <gasps> Gore, Vermont, USA. Wow. You need to be singing it from the rooftops. Whoa! <laughs> let me see. Wait, let me see how close that is to me. Buell's Oh my God, you can gore. go take a picture. Yeah. Should go I... out there and see if there's any remnants of those animatronics left over. Buell's Gore. They dropped Vermont. a tail or something. 20 minutes. A... It's 20 <gasps> minutes. Justin, to... you have to go. It's so see if close. You can... It's literally like up the road. Screenshot the image of like the exterior shot. And see if you can replicate it. Oh my Find god, you should because it's kind of funny because Jack made us the time we went to London on our honeymoon. Mm. He made us go to every location of American Werewolf in Paris. Also or in wolf, London. Also wolf theme. That's what I'm exactly. Oh. That's the <laughs> I'm making. I you was idiot. I'm taken by it. It's not that long of a. So then a you road. could go do that. That one. It's a yeah. It's so, a short road. And please, lo- Justin. Very please. Woodsy. We'll compare and contrast our pictures. Mine from where Wolf, American Wolf in London and yours mm-hmm. from Wolf. I'll try. Well, that, my friends, is the show. Yay! Listeners, stick around to the end to hear the Wolfman's Sad Song by me, Mr. Bear. And of course, follow us on social media at Cinema Possessed Pod, where we announce next week's movie ahead of time. And if you want to get in touch with us, email us at cinemapossessedpod at gmail.com. And if you want to get even more possessed, head on over to patreon.com slash cinemapossessedpod and unlock the Cinema Possessed bonus materials. Those are our bi-monthly bonus episodes where we talk about more than just what's in our collection. Who knows what the fuck we're going to talk about? We might be talking about Ice Cream Man the next time you check that out. So if you want to hear us, join the Patreon, folks. It helps support us and you get bonus episodes. Isn't that fun? Don't forget to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever the hell you get these things. If you're listening, hop on there right now. I order you, like John Connor orders the Terminator. I order you to go leave us a, a review, review. <laughs> on whatever app you're listening to this on right now. Please, specifically iTunes, we need, or the podcast app. That's where we need reviews. And now that you've gone and left the review, as your reward, Justin, tell the people what movie we will be talking about next week in October Horror Month. (laughs) Next week, we're talking about Dario Argento's 1977 horror masterpiece Suspiria. 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 Witch. 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 We're going to go goblin mode on next week's episode because goblin does the score. (laughs) You know, if Julia Fox was here, she'd be giving me a high five right now for that one. What? Well, she came up with goblin mode, did she not?
I don't even know what the fuck goblin mode is. You don't remember when Julia Fox says I'm going goblin mode and then everybody was like, what the fuck is goblin mode? And then it became a thing. No. You know who Julia Fox is? Yes. Well, she did that. She made a video and she said, I'm going goblin mode. And she invented it, basically. Wow. People were like, what the fuck is that? We're going to have to dig deep into that. Well, we'll talk more about it <laughs> next week on Cinema Possessed. And as always, keep watching the movies you love and stay possessed. Shining through your window You will have my body to protect you When the bees come flying in to sting Oh, you will have my body to protect you When the dog comes running up to bite Oh, you will have my body Full and shining bright Oh, you won't have my body to protect Body to protect you.